Yo, 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 what's happening? It's committee podcast coming live and direct like direct effects, even though that was canceled. Uh, special episode this week is going to be strictly about Black Panther. We're not talking about the political party. We're talking about the box office boom that is the Black Panther. I brought along with me today um, special guest Kiana from between the lines you guys can uh, check her out she'll give you her information in just a second of course as always we have uh, marcus sniffles so uh what's up everybody how's it going i'm good how are you guys wakanda forever definitely always yes definitely so anyway we'll go ahead and kick it into the uh first topic of the day um i'll go ahead and pass it over to marcus sniffles what do you want to talk about first when it comes to black panther all right so i got a lot of things i want to talk about this movie there was a lot of themes and messages and a lot of underlying tones here. But first, I'd just like to get y'all's overall opinion of the movie. I'll start with Keanu. What, what did you think of the movie, just overall? Okay, so I saw it twice, opening weekend. I just saw it maybe like an hour and a half ago. Feelings have not changed. It's still a an overwhelmingly beautiful movie. Uh the story was well well written. It was well directed. Shout out to Ryan Coogler. Um, all the actors were phenomenal. Um, it just I can't wait for Black Panther too. It'll be like probably twenty twenty one when it comes out. But I'm super excited for for what this could turn into, and I'm excited for Infinity War. So there's that. Yeah, 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 definitely. I I have also seen the movie twice. Uh, it got better the second time, honestly, because there were other things that I didn't pick up the first go around. Um, I think the costume designer really did a good job of like really bringing Wakanda to life. It had their, they had their own little style, their own African flair, and even the different tribes had their own you know type of swag to them. And I I I can appreciate that. And I I think that uh, costume designers kind of get overlooked when it comes to movies like this. But I feel like she did a, a great job. Uh, Dolphins, overall, what you think of the movie? Overall, as far as the movie, I've seen it three times. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. This is probably the best film that I've ever seen. It connected with me so deep on so many different levels. Um, the first time I seen it, I seen it in 3D IMAX. It, I was way too close to the screen. The second time, it was much better. The third time was even better. And it's like, I, I, I honestly have been kicking myself because I want to go see it again. Um, I've seen it three times in four days. And it's like, I, I cannot wait till it comes out on DVD. I can't wait to get the director's cut. I'm just all for the Black Panther. I love the women, the, the women of the movie. The fact that um, T'Challa really utilize the women in the film for different reasons and and they it the whole thing was just well done well done beautifully done soundtrack i love it the score i love it everything about the movie i freaking love it this that i do feel the same way as far as there hasn't there hasn't been a lot of movies that i've left the theater and immediately wanted to to rewatch the movie and both times I saw Black Panther, as soon as the, the second, um, you know, end credit scene went off, I was like, man, I want to see this movie again. I, I want to go back and watch it again. I ha I've had that feeling every time. And it's getting to the point where I remember before the movie came out, they were talking about, you know, they have a four hour long movie 
and they had to cut it down to like two hours and 20 minutes. I want that extra footage. Like I want all of that. I want whatever they cut. I want that in the movie. I want the director's cut. I don't care if it's a six hour movie. I want everything that they did. I want director's commentary. I want a, you know, gag reel. I want special, you know, interviews with the cast and crew. Anything you can give me about this movie, I will take it. Like that's how powerful I feel this movie was. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm one of those people that buys DVDs. Uh, I bought Deadpool when it. I bought the DVD for Deadpool when it came out and straight out of Compton. And so I already know I'm planning on buying this DVD. Like you said, I, I want to see um, Ryan Coogler's director's cut. He had um, an interview with Vanity Fair where he broke down the shot in Korea. And I'd love to see him talk about some of the other shots, some of the um, other battle scenes, especially between uh, Killmonger and T'Challa towards the end. Um, I definitely want to see the deleted scenes. I want the four-hour cut. I, I, this movie's great. I've been watching... Um, I've been watching cast interviews since I saw it last Friday. So I don't, I've I've heard every question and every take I could get from Chadwick Boseman and Michael <laughs> Jordan and Lupita. And I still want more. Like, I can't get over this movie. It's wild how much money this movie is making. Like, it's not even the top grossing, like, comic book movie. It's, like, the number one movie in the world right now. And it's making crazy money. It's doing crazy numbers. And it's... That's what Hollywood needs to do. If you make films for, you know, marginalized people or minorities or people of color, uh, people will come out and see it. Like you, you need to to expand your audience, get especially, more people to come out. Especially if the story's meaningful. This wasn't just some thrown together thing. Uh, I saw somebody complain that nobody gave this much attention to Catwoman. That's because Catwoman was a, a really bad movie. No disrespect to Halle Berry. That, but, it was. And, that, yeah. was, that was a bad movie. But the, the, <laughs> also the difference between like Black Panther and Catwoman is I believe Halle Berry was the only black, black person, person in, in that movie. Like <laughs> right. I don't I don't know who like who wrote that movie. Who white directed that movie? It. Who <laughs> produced that person. movie? You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah we didn't really support it. I mean I, I did see it. I didn't it wasn't that big a deal. But also, Twitter wasn't around when Black when Catwoman came out. Like there was no Twitter. There was no, there was Facebook, but Twitter wasn't around to get it get the word out about it. And it was an awful movie. So that there's also that you know. But that's that's a terrible comparison. Like comparing Catwoman to Black Panther. Like what are you what are you doing? <laughs> People are just looking for for things to complain about when it comes to that. But uh. Yeah, they definitely are. I, I just thought, I mean, just it, like I said, everything about the movie was fantastic. Um, I just want to know from from you two, did you go to the movie theater? Did everyone show up and show out and the costumes and things like that? Because I know where I was, there was camera crews out there. Wow. There were people in uh, dashikis and all sorts of African garbs. Everybody had on their Black Panther T-shirts. It actually was white people there, too. Um, contrary to most people's beliefs, nobody got beat up. Thanks, uh, Trump Twitter or 45 Twitter. <laughs> the, but fake, how was the, it fake, at, the fake yeah, beat ups. Yeah. <laughs> but how was it at, at you guys' showings? I, I did the, the one I went to. I saw it on Friday night. There was a couple dudes in there with dashikis on. I had my uh, Black Panther shirt on. Um, but we didn't we didn't have the, the guy with the line on his shoulder, unfortunately. We didn't have that. Yeah, I, I was wishing for uh, King Jaffe Jafar as well, but we, <laughs> we I, didn't have him. 
when I went, I went on a Friday as well. Um, it was about 1040. So there weren't many people in there, but I did see this little boy. He was probably like 15. He had on um, like a suit with, he had on essentially what T'Challa had on in the first, uh, in the first end credit scene. He was so cute. Like I just wanted to take a picture with him. I was so happy to see him dress up. His mom was dressed up with him. They're the only people I saw. I just when I went in Atlantic Station not too long ago, I didn't see any people dressed up, but I did go with a theater full of black people and they were talking at the screen and I lived for it. So <laughs> <laughs> There was definitely uh from what I saw on social media, there was a lot of people I don't want to say they're like wilding out, but I mean they were they were showing off their their roots, you know, just trying to show respect to the culture and you know there there was a little you know back and forth between like you know black americans and then african americans like or not african americans but like africans that live in america there was a little bit of like tension online between both of those parties and how how, how did y'all feel about that do you think that was you know warranted like you know the people from africa who are kind of upset that Black people that live in America all of a sudden want to be down with the Africans because Black Panther's out. Um, I guess I get it. I to an extent, I get it because um, Africans that live that are native to the continent are in our in the country are in this country, America. Um, they've had to endure a lot just from people kind of being ignorant, not yes. really knowing like how to handle um not not only say non-black not knowing how to handle african americans so they're like definitely not sure how to handle africans at the same time though i think it's as a black american i think it's just us trying to connect to some form of who we think we might be and we maybe get like a little overzealous and so um I get it from one standpoint, but I kind of wish that they would embrace us just a little more and kind of help us out because we we really are actively looking for some type of connection to the continent and we just don't know where to get it from because it's kind of been stripped from us. So, Yes, definitely. And that's why I think so many people identify with some of the lines that a Killmonger said because Killmonger was basically a representation for us. We're stripped from our native land. We don't know where we're from. It's been erased from our memory. And sometimes we feel like we're searching for a place to belong. And, you know, sometimes I know groups of people that are like, hey, well, why aren't some of you countries in Africa supporting us? And I know they can kind of feel the same way. So it's definitely some some bridges that we have to build. Uh, No pun intended to the movie, but it's some bridges that we need to build during this time instead of continuing to put up barriers. I hope that both sides uh, understand that and we work to uh, common ground a little bit later on. Now, hopefully movies like this, and I've read something on Facebook and they said that they were possibly looking to do up to five sequels. So it's, this is not going to be a one-time deal. When it, yeah, they said five that's, sequels. That's a lot. That's a lot of sequels. Like Iron Man only has three movies yeah like most of these comic book movies step out at three like i i'm I'm not complaining like i think they should do five i think that they could they should do as many as they can like i know these movies out chadwick boseman i think if i read that correctly signed a five movie deal so he's already done civil war he's already done black panther the standalone he's going to do infinity war so that's three he has two more movies left so i would expect at least one to two more sequels yeah, especially with the money that they're bringing in, like, right. like it, at the end of the day, you know, race excluded, 
these companies care about money. Like that's the green is the color they care about the most. And if they got to keep pushing out Black Panther movies and make, you know, 500 million, 500 million dollars in a week, then they'll do that because we're going to keep buying it. People are going to keep buying it. It's we're going to support that stuff because it's not because it is black, but it's also great. You know, we're not just we're not just going to support something because it's black people. We're supporting stuff that's actually good material, classic art, something that's going to last a, a lifetime almost. Like something you could rewatch 10 years from now and be like, this movie was great. Even even now, it's still great. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of Black Panther. Um, it's just so beautifully written and, and shot that you can't, like you said, like as soon as it goes off, I want to watch it again. Like, I can't get enough of it. So immediately, it's, it's it's and I think a lot of that is due to um, Marvel and Disney kind of handing it to Ryan Coogler and saying, "You have as much creative control as we can with relinquish." Of course, they can't give it all to him, but they gave him enough. They gave him a lot. His stamp yeah. is truly on it. Like it looks like a film. It doesn't look like anything else in the Marvel universe. I, I think you said they gave him more money than they've given anybody else. Um, as far as any of the standalones, they they gave him more money than anybody else. The only thing he couldn't do was they had the ending predetermined. So some yeah. the ending in the final of the two end credits was pretty much pre-done. But I mean that's because you gotta you know connect all the movies together. So I can understand them. I can understand him having to relinquish that type of control. But mm-hmm. as far as like the look of the movie, the dialogue, you know, uh, the the fight scenes. Just the feel of it, like the music, the soundtrack, like everything. I was like, yeah, this is, I don't know how Marvel like signed off on this. I don't know how Disney signed off on some of this stuff, but I'm glad they did. Now, one of the things that I didn't catch the first uh, watch and I caught it the second go around was at the very beginning of the movie when they're discussing the origins of Wakanda and the vibranium and how all that stuff happened. When I originally saw the movie, I thought that was T'Chaka talking to T'Challa. And when I saw it the second time, it was Killmonger's dad. Right, right. Killmonger. And then knowing that, I feel like it changed the entire movie for me. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, let's just, you know, this is a place that we're, we're at. We're going to just build this, you know, Wakanda up. And this is, you know, this is where we're from. But knowing that it was from the perspective of Killmonger's father, he was explaining it to his son as a place that almost is a fairy tale land. Like the way he described it was like, man, this place, this can't be real. The way you're talking about it, there's no way that there's a place on this planet that is as beautiful as Wakanda is. Like we live in Oakland, California and shit is rough out here. And you're telling me that there's a place like that out there that, and and we're from there and just stuff like that. I, I feel like African-Americans can relate to that because most of us have never been to Africa. But if you talk to people who describe Africa, it's almost the same way. You know, it's the motherland. It's, you know, the the place where man came from. It's the most beautiful place on earth. And a lot of us have never been there. Most of us will never go there. So I could kind of, I felt like there was a theme there as far as like knowing where you came from and, and, and wanting to go back and maybe feeling like you can't get back there. 
Yeah, um, I caught that this last time, just a few hours ago. I was the the first two times. I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's it's the way to move the plot along. There are a lot of people in here that don't understand that are here just for Michael B. Jordan, or they're here just because they saw Chadwick Boseman in 42, or they really love Lupita Nyong'o, so they're not really sure of the origin of Black Panther. So this is just a way to condense the origin story a little bit more. But when I finally noticed, like, oh my goodness, this is uh, Njobu talking to his son, it definitely, like you said, it felt it felt way different. It felt like a, it kind of, even though Killmonger is still like a horrible person, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Oh, okay. I mean, the, we ain't got to call him, we ain't got to call him horrible. Like, okay, he's his, gotta, his he's, methods were wrong. I he's got that. some flaws. He's got some flaws. Right. He's a flawed person, <laughs> but it definitely, it humanized him a little bit more. It made him feel like a, like a brother or a cousin. Cause like you said, if you talk to people who are from the continent or who visited we it feels like a fair even when we talk about the history of Africa and how they're kings and queens and all this technology. It sounds unbelievable. Right. It sounds like a place like I would only read about. And so I definitely could identify with little little Eric Stevens wanting to hear about what he called home. Because even then he realized that where he is now isn't where he's from. Correct. Did you catch anything with that Adolphus or you good? Honestly I did not recognize I was in Jobu, so I feel kind of bad <laughs> so, um, what I was doing, but I, I thought it was T'Chaka. So now I, when you go into it again, you know, I'm going to be looking at it from a different perspective, but I kind of agree that kind of does make me feel a little bit more sympathetic for the character, but that's pretty much all I got, honestly. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was, I don't know if they intentionally did that, like if they were trying to to fool us or pull one over on us. But I mean, the first time I, I watched it, you know, I thought that was uh, uh, T'Chaka talking to T'Challa. But I think one of the, one of the, some of the things that really, you know, Kugler put his, uh, his stamp on is, you know, how the old, the, the original Black Panther had like the little scarf around him when he went to see him. Yes. Uh, you know when the when the guy went to the went to the door and he described the uh, the female guards as like Grace Jones looking women. Yeah, like that's like that's that's just some black shit right there. Like even with gonna... the too short at the beginning, it was yeah. so oh, yeah. Bay Area, it was so Oakland. Like you you're can not tell get that that's Coogler, movies. right? You're not getting. They had a he had the Public Enemy poster in the house too. Like that, it's little things like that where you're like, all right, this. This is authentic. That's and that's that's a big word for me. Authentic. Black Panther is probably the most authentic movie I've ever seen. It's everything about it is true to its core. You know what I'm saying? Like from the music to the to, like I said to the music to the to the stage to the costumes, everything, even the little stuff like posters on the wall, like little details like that matter in these types of movies. That's yeah. part. No, 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 I agree. No, it was. Uh, in terms of it being authentic, it was. It's definitely again. It's it's clear that Ryan Coogler was able to put him his stamp on this movie in a way that no that we haven't seen in the Marvel universe ever. All right. So when we first get introduced to, um, the current Black Panther T'Challa, he's coming back from America to pretty much reclaimed not reclaimed but claimed the mantle as king but he wants to on the way he wants to pick up his pick up his ex-girlfriend played by Lupita Nyong'o who is you know basically a spy 
and some of the there, there's also the little thing between him and the uh, the woman that plays Michonne from The Walking Dead when he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go by myself," and she just gives him that look like, "Really? You're gonna you're gonna do this yourself?" All he's right. Like, and he's, like I've seen like <laughs> growing up, I've seen that look a million times. Like I, oh, my yeah. mom has given me that look, my sisters giving me that look, my wife gives me that look. Like I've seen that look. I know what that look means. Yeah, that's a. As soon as I saw it, I was like, girl, same. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew that look. That's a look you give your friends. Like, okay, do your thing. It's like, all right, you got it. Okay, go ahead and do it. Okay, sure. Sure thing. And and she, I mean, she obviously, she knew because she ended up having to help him out in the end. But I I think that was a pretty solid introduction to uh, Black Panther and what he's capable of as far as the the beads that he had that was able to... uh, to disable the cars. The you, you know what? I mean, that was cool. And I like that. But one thing that I got from it is it goes along further with why can't you do more? Like when I really sat down and thought about it and I was like, okay, they didn't save these women because they were kidnapped or these little boys that were forced to be soldiers. He, he didn't care anything about that. He just wanted to get, uh, uh, sorry if I say it wrong, but Nakia, correct? Or Nakia? Nakia? It's Nakia. Yeah. Nakia. He just wanted to save Nakia. Like, hey, we don't care anything about you kidnap girls or how you're going to get home because we stopped all the vehicles. You know, I just want to grab Nakia and roll out. So I thought that that was like looking back on it, that was a little bit of a seed that was planted. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a, it was a few different messages that I was looking at during it on the third time that I seen it. But I was kind of like, what well, dang, what are these girls going to do? They're in the middle of nowhere with a wild dog and wild <laughs> animals. Yeah. No cars. Like, what the heck's going on? Yeah, that, that that's a, something to, to take note of as far as, like, all the things that they have, they can pretty much change change that whole continent. Like, they can pretty much rule that whole area, rule the world even, but they stick to staying in the shadows. But uh, that whole opening fight scene between Black Panther and all those uh I guess refugees or whatnot was fairly impressive. Like you you really get a grasp of how strong that vibranium is. Like he was walking like right into bullets. Like guys are point blank shooting him with an AK forty seven that's doing nothing to him. So when you see that it's like, okay, this dude really means business. Like this is not just this isn't just some regular guy or some regular superhero like this is high tech this is another level type of armor and um even with that you can he i don't like hats off to chadwick boseman he still has this like regalness about him even when he's fighting like he's still like i'm the king and like I'm you're gonna respect me as such after i kick your ass (laughs) i apologize just remembering that that part where she was, where um Oki was like, or Okoye was like, uh, don't freeze. And he like beat up all these people, walks up on Nakia, and he's just like, hi. Yeah. That jump was so <laughs> funny. I'm like, what in the world? I think, I think that things like that is what makes uh, Black Panther probably my my favorite Marvel uh, Marvel movie and the best because the comedy was timely. Like, it wasn't cheesy. Like, that felt authentic because, like, you see Lapidi Nyago, like, she's a beautiful woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, any man would be tongue-tied seeing her at any point. Like, that's a, that's an understandable thing to have happen. 
And for them to like, you know, joke about that, like, did he freeze? Yeah, like a, a antelope in headlights. Like, I mean, that's funny, but it's not like slapstick, you know, trying to be cheesy and corny. Like, it's it's regular, authentic humor. It's like just yes. cracking jokes. And it, it felt it definitely drove home the family aspect of it because everybody gonna joke on your cousin that yeah. <laughs> that froze in front of his ex girlfriend, the one that exactly. you know he still loves. Like everybody gonna talk about that as soon as they get together. So yeah, <laughs> and you can definitely see that they they have a genuine love for each other because of that whole family atmosphere. Because it's like you know that's his ex that's his ex girlfriend. They have they're not related. Like she has no reason to you know go you know watch him. Reclaim uh, the throne, like he he. She could have been like, "No, nah, I don't want to go," but he was like, "Hey, you know, I want you to be there when I become king." And that's it, it, he thought that it was important to have her with him, not not as like you know, just a, a side piece or something like that. But like, hey, you're still a big part of my life. I'd like mm-hmm. you to be there. Right. That's that's true. I didn't and for ceremonial purposes because you know her tribe. Like she was one of the main people that was dancing for, for from her tribe as well. So it made a lot of sense. Now I did get a little confused when it comes to the comic books, but of course I know a lot of things are different and they're kind of just writing their own thing, which is cool because it's like now we don't know. Okay. Well, according to the comic books, Oki or, or what is her name? I'm sorry. Okoye. O- Okoye. And Nakia are actually in training to be his wives, but in the theaters, it's not like that. So it, it just creates a different dynamic and it makes things less, less predictable too. So I definitely appreciate the film for that. There was some things though in the movie that were just really like when you when we talk about being authentic, the too short in the trunk kind of just set the tone for it. like that is really Oakland. That's really the Bay. You know, you're, you're bringing it right here. Um, I remember Suri and the what are those and calling them sneakers. And even when they had their interaction, it was like a true brother sister interaction. When she first came, um, when she was walking off, she flipped the bird and Angela Bassett's character caught her doing it without even looking. Right. That's, that's like black, black mama. Like, yeah. Baby, no one know everything. They got eyes in the back of the head. They know what you're doing before you even do it. Right. They sure do. But since since we're since we're right there, you know, uh, T'Challa gets back home. He's meeting up with his mom and his sister. What did what did you guys think of uh, Shuri that character? Because I honestly I haven't seen this this actress in anything prior. I know she's on uh, uh, Black Mirror, but I haven't gotten to the episode that she's on yet. But uh, I'll I'll start with Adolphus. What did you think of her character? I liked her character from the perspective of. It gave us, I know a lot of people are calling her one of Disney's princesses, which is cool, but it gives you the opportunity to see a young black woman identify with a, I guess a teenager, maybe a young adult. And for black, young black children, young black girls, they get to see a woman that is able to utilize her brains because she's beautiful too but really utilize her brain and have so much control over so much in a kingdom. Whereas normally when we see these types of roles, she just be someone that's probably prancing around getting her hair done or stuff like that. But we actually see her getting down and getting dirty with things. And I think it it makes, it gives them something to believe in like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I do like science 
And maybe all my friends thought I was a nerd or whatever, but you know what? Because Suri is cool, I can do it because I'm cool. So I definitely thought it was a very relatable character. Um, some of her jokes, funny. And, and it was like, it's not trying too hard to be hilarious. It's just natural. Yeah, and the timing was good. And then I seen an interview with her freestyling. What, what's her name? Like MC Overbite or something like MC that? MC Baby Underbite. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Underbite. Yeah, Underbite. <laughs> Funny. Just She is she is a, a true talent and a true jewel. And I can't wait to see her in other things as well. So I definitely enjoyed her character. Kiana, what you got? You got anything on her? So I love Shuri. If I had to rank the characters, Shuri's number one by a mile. Um, I feel like Shuri is me. If I, you know, lived in Wakanda and had a king brother, she yeah. like she's she's so funny. Her her comedy was on time. But not only is she funny, she's she has a real place in the story because honestly, without Shuri, then the black this this doesn't exist. Like this this story can't pro- progress. Um, and so her her place is is important like uh, Adolphus said she's a, a beautiful representation for black what little black girls can be and um she's not the only representation but she she offers um a unique perspective of like I'm a little black girl I can I can be spunky and I can be smart and I can be just this warrior this battle-tested warrior and I just love Letitia Wright. I, I saw her in the episode of in the episode of Black Mirror. She did a phenomenal job. Whenever you get to that episode, it's a great performance by her. She's twenty four years old, looking a smooth sixteen, and I, I can't wait to see her and more. I didn't know she was that old. I I honestly thought she was like a teenager. Oh, she's she's a grown lady. And I when I saw twenty four, I was like, no, she's she's not that old. But she's a twenty four year old woman. She did a great job in this movie. I can't wait to see her again. Yeah, there, there, there is an argument for her being the most important person in Wakanda, considering that she is pretty much in charge of everything that they create now, like all their advancements and the technology, the new, the new suits, where how the how his uh, suit just comes on when he just thinks about it, the remote control car, remote control vehicles, like hey. all that, all that stuff is her. Yeah, like um, she makes the point in the very beginning when he first gets back and he has the uh, the EMP beads, I think they were called. And she was like, give them to me. I'm going to upgrade them. He's like, they don't need upgrades. They work fine. And she's like, just because they work fine doesn't mean they don't need upgrades. If you left it up to T'Challa, T'Challa would have still been in his old suit where he's got to put the helmet on for him to work. Exactly. So without Shuri, the story doesn't really progress. Yeah, she's she's constantly trying to improve things, even things that people don't think need improvement. But that's that's how smart people work. That's how geniuses work. They see something that's fine and they make it even better. They just keep advancing. And I and I also think that having a character like that, like Adolphus was saying, that's smart and, and intelligent and can still have fun and is a, a black woman, even though well, she is she's a black woman, but in the movie she's portrayed as a, a, a younger black woman having that type of example for, for young kids to see, I think that's very important. I think you'll see a lot of young girls to maybe change their trajectory as far as what they're studying, what they want to major in, yep. what, what's, what uh, topics they find interesting. Like I know it's, I know it is just a movie, like in the grand scheme of things, it's just a comic book movie. It's not going to change the world. It's not going to end you know, oppression and racism and stuff like that. But 
it could change someone's life. Like this movie is going to change someone's life. I, I truly believe that. No, same. I mean, it only takes it only takes a little bit of something, especially for kids. Kids are very impressionable. So it yes. only takes one image to be like, you know what? I think I do want to try science. And I mean, anything could happen. We could 20 years down the line, we could have a, an amazing scientist that could say, hey, I saw I was in Black Panther one time and I saw Shuri basically be the brains behind Wakanda. And it definitely inspired me to get serious about science. So it's 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 important. Not in the sense, like you said, to where life is just going to change dramatically, but it yeah. can change dramatically for one child, and that's that's really what you look for in in, in yes. movies. If you can touch one life, then you've done your job. I mean, it only it only really takes one person. It does, and I, I guarantee you, she's going to be doing the tech for Tony Stark going forward. You watch. Well, the the interesting thing about her and Tony Stark is that you know Tony Stark is. Harold to be like one of the smartest people. He would he would what he graduated like uh Ivy League like at 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, MIT, all this stuff. And he's like this the a boy wonder, boy genius. And Tony Stark right now is a you know a grown man. And if we look at what he did for for Rhodes in you know Captain America Civil War when he or War Machine. He had his spine broken by vision on an accident. And the best Tony Stark could do was give him robotic legs. And as we'll talk about later on in the movie, uh, Agent Ross got shot in the neck. And the next day, Suri had him up and walking again with no scarring. So that just goes to show you the difference between how smart Suri is compared to Tony Stark, who is, you know, supposed to be the smartest person on the planet. Like this young girl is miles of miles ahead of what tony stark is doing and even and not even just shuri it's uh you can look at the wakandas as a whole because uh captain america's shield also made of vibranium but uh tony stark's dad he found vibranium and the only thing that he could do was create a shield like that's the best he could come up with the wakandas had vibranium and they created a whole, a whole technologically railroad. advanced country yeah. that's like head and shoulders above anything anybody's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember that they're doing this without really having, I won't say formal education. They're not, they're doing this without having, without having any Western education. So they haven't attended an MIT or any of these big name universities. They're doing this because they are just genuinely just that smart. Yes. They're incredibly smart. And they they showed it throughout the movie. Now, before we get any further, let's let's touch on the uh, the door Melage that um, uh, T'Challa's army bodyguards, however you want to talk about it. These are actually based off of a an African tribe. Like they actually have uh, like a full female army and, and security guards that that do this type of work that are out there protecting kings and princes and all of this stuff and. You can you can tell that they're not there just for good looks because when women are portrayed in, in comic book movies, especially as heroes or even bad guys, the outfits don't really they're not practical for what they're supposed to be doing. Like if you watch uh, the Avengers movies, uh, Black Widow, all her shirts are low cut, low they're cut low. You know she's wearing skin tight clothes. You know, their their midriff is always showing. 
But with the Dora Milaje, they're like pretty much about their business. They got armor on. They don't wear. I don't. I don't recall. They weren't wearing makeup, right? Um, no. The only time I can remember Okoye and makeup was when they were in Korea. Yeah. So I mean, they're not. They. They. They're all. They have their heads shaved, so that's one less thing they got to worry about. Like they're not. Have, they don't have to worry about you know flipping their hair out of the way. They're serious, trained killers. Killer. Like they're the best out there. And they were badass too, man. My goodness. They're, I mean, they're bad as hell out there. Like they're about their business. Yeah. Um. Another. If I had to rank more characters, uh, the Dora Milaje as a whole, Okoye, you know, as the as the face of them, but them as a whole, like you said, they're they're not. They're, they had um, a great ability to be feminine, but also strong. So they weren't um, just they weren't just there for eye candy, right? So they had mm-hmm. there are times when their features were very soft, and they were very beautiful women. But when it was time to turn it on, they turned it on. Um, Ryan Coogler talked about their motif almost in the score, to where the the music for them whenever they're on screen or whenever they're in battle, it's like a yip. Um, and so I listened for that the third time around and it was beautiful. And it was, especially seeing Okoye, uh, in the casino scene, how, um, she didn't hesitate to, to jump into action. She never hesitated to jump into action, even when it was towards the end, when it was time for her to make a tough decision that a lot of women may have chose differently. She was, she was, she was about that action. So the Dura Milaje, um, as a whole, we saw them in Civil War, not Okoye uh, specifically. We saw another member of the Durmalaje, but they they are about the protection of King T'Challa, and that is their number one objective, and they do it damn well. So, I mean, if you look at, like, say, the parallels between them, and I don't know if any of y'all have seen Wonder Woman, but the the Amazons on that on that island, the way they were dressed, like they 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 obviously met business and they were out there training and they're clearly good at what they're doing, but the way they looked, they were dressed as if, hey, we need to Be look sexy. nice for yeah, yeah. look nice for, for a man to look at us. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the I didn't get that vibe from the Dora Milaje. Like I didn't look at them as masculine or or brooding or or ugly. I I still thought they were beautiful, but I could also tell like, hey, they're they're not to be fucked with. Like, don't get that twisted. Like she might be Definitely. cute. You know, she she might have a nice shaped head. You know what I'm saying? But don't, <laughs> don't, I, don't, don't like when when Agent Ross touched uh, T'Challa and yeah. the interrogation scene. The way she looked at him, like, yo, she I I don't know what I don't know what you think this is, but you might want to chill out. Like, I will kill you. I and will then, put you through the stable. Right after that, she softened it back up when he said, "Does she speak English?" She said, "When she wants to," exactly. and immediately it goes back to being soft. So yeah. they just the like the duality between them in battle and, and them just kind of being around uh, in the sense of kind of just existing is, is, is beautiful. It's definitely, definitely cool. Um, so we go from, you know, he gets, he gets home and he's going to, you know, claim the mantle as King and they're going to the, uh, to the waterfall. The thing that I got from this, this part of the movie is the importance of tradition knowing where you come from and having something that you you pass along from from generation to generation like you have you have these dances that you perform on the way there you have a traditional you know garb um let's see all the tribes you know they have their own special clothing 
uh, let's see, just uh, the idea of how they, how, I, I guess that is part of tradition as far as like, hey, this is what happens. When the king dies, this is what we do. We have all the tribe. We have, it's challenge day. Everybody knows that. It's challenge day. We all come together from our, from our separate tribes. We get together. We ask the leader of each tribe, hey, do you want a challenge for the king? This is your chance to, to rule Wakanda if you want a challenge. Yep. And I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure why no other tribe challenged. Yeah, I was for, interested for to see why didn't Wakabi challenge for the king? Because he was so easily swayed against the king when you had your opportunity since you felt some type of way about his father and you know him not being able to bring Claw home. Why didn't you challenge? Well, you know? it, it, for me, it seemed like he was trying to give him a chance. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think it was trying to give him a chance. And I think what, I'm, what I got from that was that because T'Challa was the son of the king, that they were like, hey, he, he's been groomed for this position. You know what? He he he's been pretty much training his entire life for this. We should we should. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overstep my bounds. I'm gonna let this this happen. And I mean, I guess I can kind of respect that. And I can under, I can kind of understand that. But obviously, there's you know, and I didn't catch this at the beginning when they were talking about the 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 gorilla tribe basically that isolated themselves from everybody else. Yeah, and I didn't they, catch it either. They had been gone for a long time, like centuries, and this was the first like time they had really made an appearance. And you know, when they when they make an appearance, they make an appearance. Like you know that they're coming. They are loud. They are they are proud of who they are. They are mm-hmm. big and boisterous, and 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 they try to intimidate you. And they they do a pretty good job of that. I I, I thought. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Um, I think a lot of the tribes didn't um, didn't challenge him because T'Challa had already been quote unquote the Black Panther. He had already been protecting them for that long because of the age the age of his father. And so I think they had a lot more faith in T'Challa as a king, especially one because he had been protecting them for so long. Two because of his youth. Um, so I guess maybe they thought like fresher ideas. Wakabi even said, you know, I'd spent thirty it's thirty years watching your dad I, and I thought you would be different, but it's more of the same. So I think that points to why they didn't challenge him. I'm pretty sure if they would have seen in the future that things maybe gotten a lot a little a little out of hand, then sure. I couldn't have seen the Nakia challenging him. Um, but I could have seen some other tribe. Now when the Jabari come through, yeah, they don't they don't get they don't care. Cause yes. <laughs> they they don't care who how long you've been king. Even um uh, Mumbaku said that he was like, Hey, you just a boy compared to me. Like, I don't I don't care. Let's get it popping. I mean, and he was he was he was talking some junk and he was he was talking junk, but he was also spitting some truth. Like, if you're gonna be the king, your responsibility is to protect us, and you couldn't even protect your own father. Like the way he said that was like yeah. Yo, you ain't have to do it. You ain't have to say it like that, but he's got a point. Like you, you and your dad went off somewhere, and your dad didn't come back. Like your dad died on your watch. Yeah, I was like, well, he tried. He, he just couldn't <laughs> stop it. He tried his best. He right. He really gave it his best try. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he he really you know spit that real to him. But um, as far as the the fighting in this movie. Not even just the fight between Mbaku, but 
the fights later on with like T'Challa or uh, Killmonger. T'Challa kind of was getting worked a lot of these fights. And Man, but see, no, I think it's a reason. I think it's a reason. Yeah, here, here, here's my. I'll give you mine real quick. Okay. I think that the, the first go around when I watched it, I was like, all right, Mbaku, Mbaku is a big dude. Like that's a big guy. I can understand him catching this L. And and kill the fights with Killmonger, it, he just didn't have it. Like he just wasn't on that same level. When I first watched it, I was like, "Dang, maybe he just ain't good enough. Maybe he's not worthy of the throne. Maybe he's not good enough to to be the king." But then the second time I watched the movie, it made me think like, "Okay, this 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 man has to earn it. Like he has to earn." being Black Panther. He has to earn being the king of Wakanda. Because if you look at any of the other Marvel heroes, like Thor was just born the the, the god of thunder. He was just born that way. You know, uh, Tony Stark, he had all that money. He, he was smart enough to just become Iron Man. He didn't have to fight for the right to become Iron Man. Same with, well, maybe you could, you could use that same logic to Captain America that he had to earn the right to be Captain America, but Without that special, you know, steroids and PEDs that he got, he's he's just a scrawny kid from Queens or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like T'Challa had to earn his right to be Black Panther. Like, it wasn't just given to him. You know, he didn't just have some super soldier serum, you know, stuck in his arm. Because even when he had to to fight M'Baku and Killmonger, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character gave him the, that drink that takes away his power. So you have to fight on your own strength. Like, what do I have inside of me? Not this extra stuff that I brought to the table. I don't, he doesn't have an Iron Man suit. He doesn't have a hammer. He doesn't have a shield. It's just him. It's just him and his own strength. I also think that um, he got worked a lot because um, T'Challa really did not want to harm people. He was not that type of exactly, person. Exactly, yes. And so there there were times, especially in that battle against Killmonger, we first see it against uh Mbaku. He he did not he told him like I don't want to have to kill you. Just please yield and we can let this go. He even told Killmonger like we don't have to do this. We can figure this out another way. T'Challa's a natural peacemaker. And so and there were times when he he had he knocked Killmonger down he had time to pounce on him and really end it, but he wanted to give Killmonger the chance to yield. So if I had to choose a flaw for T'Challa, it would be that he's way he was way too lenient to be a warrior. Um, yeah. And we saw that a lot. And, and unfortunately and- for him, he had to uh, he had to he took on a lot of pain that had nothing to do with him. The one thing that I picked up from that too, and I may get the line wrong, but I remember um, when he was on the ancestral plane. And his the first time, and he seen his dad, and his dad was saying it was something to you're said, a good man. Yeah, he said you're a good man, but it's hard for a good man to be king. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why he he kind of held back a little bit. Like we seen Mbaku had him in some sort of a bear hug. He's about to. It looks like give up, and then his mother has to yell out, "Show him who you are." And he finally snaps out of it, head butts him and gets out of it. But it's like he constantly had to see something, even like a later fight with Killmonger. Um, he had knocked him to the ground. I felt like right then he could have put an end to him. 
He slashed him in the face. He could have put an end to him. And I just felt like he just, he always held back. Or even the final fight scene, he was letting those guys kind of hit on him. Then when he seen his sister in danger, then the rage came and he did what he needed to do. But he didn't have that. He doesn't have that killer instinct like that. Like he, he's a noble man. He's a, he's a good guy. He, he even really tried to. Is. He even tried to give uh, Wakabi a chance to, to, um, to, to stop what he was doing. And in any other case, anybody whose friend betrays him, like you gotta let him have it. But he, yeah, he, he could have killed still, Wakabi right then. He still was so compassionate, and I, I don't know, like that could have really boded terribly for him in the end. Yeah. Even, even the the end fight with Killmonger when he, when he stabbed him. At the end, he was still like, "Hey, maybe we can still save you." Like he's still trying to save yeah. you. Right, right, like, he, right. like you know, like after all this stuff this man did to your people, to you, to you, to your family, like you're still like, "Yo, we can maybe try to save this guy." Like, I'm not. I don't want it to come off as a criticism because, like, like you said, he is a good guy. He's, he's a good man. He's trying to do the right thing. Like anybody else in his position would killed Mbaku because that's what you do. You want to be king, and you and it's challenge day. You either kill the person or that person gives up. And most people fight to the death. They usually just fight until they kill that person. They're not going to give them the chance to to surrender or to give up like that. But T'Challa obviously, you know, wins that fight and he earns the the mantle as the king of Wakanda. And after that, he he has to go to the ancestral plane to from what I understand, like I, 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 I'm not big into the comics. I don't really, I haven't read any of the comics, of uh, the Black Panther comics. I, I kind of want to now. I'll probably do that at some point. But the ancestral plane is a place where you pretty much go, and you get all the knowledge and wisdom from previous Black Panthers, and you're supposed to get their strength also from all the Black Panthers, and you're supposed to become you know, the, the the most wise Black Panther, the strongest Black Panther, because you're taking everything from every Black Panther that ever was and bringing it onto yourself. And a lot of people have made the, the parallels from this scene to the scene where, in The Lion King, where Simba was debating on if he should go back home and he saw Mufasa. And it was kind of like that whole purpley haze thing coming that Mufasa came out of, and that's the same type of like purple cloud that was around the T'Challa and all the other previous Black Panthers. And that was, I thought that was a pretty powerful scene, especially when he, he saw his dad again. And the last time he saw him, his dad was dead and he thought it was his fault because he couldn't protect him. And he's like, you know, kneeling at him and crying. And his dad's like, stand up. You're the king. And then it just, if I felt like that was the moment that it hit him. Like, I'm I'm the king. Like, I'm in charge. I'm the ruler of Wakanda now. It's on me to do this. Not even the, the I don't even think him fighting and winning that battle, I don't think he realized he was the king then. I think it took his dad putting that on him to say, like, hey, stand up. You're the king. I also think that the ancestral plane um gives them the the chance to reconcile past grievances um because like you said he went and he visited his dad because he really had it heavy on his heart that he was the reason that his dad was no longer there and so it gave him the chance to go back 
and kind of heal his heart a little bit. The same thing for uh, Killmonger when he went back and saw his dad. That was a big part of him that still had not been reconciled. And so when he went back and he saw his dad, it kind of, I don't know for Killmonger if it put him at peace, but for T'Challa, it, it gave him a little bit more peace. Um, and yeah, uh, his like you said, I don't think it took the approval of his father to make him finally go, okay, this is this is where I should be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, did, it almost felt like he was passing the mantle down, like physically, like, hey, you're the king. Like, I needed, I needed to hear it from you. I needed to hear it from the previous king to make it real. Right. And it meant just that much more that it was his, yeah, that it was his dad. Everybody looks for that approval from their, from their parents, especially people that are very close to their parents and lost their parents in tragic circumstances. You kind of always wonder what your parent approve of what you're doing now. So I think that gave him the approval that he was, he was seeking. Yeah. I, I believe a lot of people, if they had the chance to say, like you said, if you lost your parent at a young age, and you've you know gone through life, and you and every I feel like a lot of people that have lost their parent at a, a young age would, you know, as they grow up, they would want to know like, hey, am I doing the right thing? Am I is what I'm doing making you proud? Am I, you know, honoring the name, honoring your name and my family name? And that's and that's another another theme that I got from this movie is as far as. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with T'Challa's side. Like, he was trying to follow in his father's footsteps. He was trying to do the things that his father was doing. He thought that what his father was doing was the right thing when it came to yeah. how how people, how the Wakandas acted as far as, you know, we're just going to stay in our little, in our bubble. We're not going to branch out. We're going to keep things how they are. And him him looking at his father that way as you know the the best guy you know the best meaning the guy with the best intentions the the, the guy that never made a mistake that kind of blinded T'Challa and it almost cost him in the end because it's like yo I, I know you respect your father and I and I know that they kind of show your father in this you know they put him on a pedestal but he's not perfect and he in that comes to be true later on where it's like hey he this guy makes mistakes he wasn't a perfect king and i, I feel like he uh, t'challa learned that later on and he also needed to learn that he needs to be his own man also like you can you can be raised to be like your father or your or your your mother or whoever but you also need to be able to make your own decisions and be the king that you want to be and not the king that you think your dad wants you to be yeah, and just, you know, as people, we kind of, our parents don't become human to us until we get older. Um, and, yeah, when he finally found out, like, oh, my dad was not the the picture-perfect guy that I had thought he was, um, it taught him a lot about his own place within his own, his his rule as king. It Because it, he thought, I got to be this perfect king. I got to do it this way. My dad was the perfect prototype. And when he finally found out, like, oh, my dad, he also kind of screwed up in a big way that, that cost that almost cost us the kingdom. Um, it definitely gave him a little insight into what he should do going forward. It almost gets to the point where it almost shatters that image of what he had of his father. Because yeah. it's like, yo, I thought this man was perfect. And, and it's not that he made a mistake. It's that he made a 
very big mistake. Yeah, he didn't Huge just mistake. like accidentally leave the kid. Like he purposely yeah, just was like, "No, nah, I'm not taking him." Killed, killed his brother and left his nephew. Right, and, and didn't say nothing about it. Just let it go. Right, made you know uh, the the Forrest Whitaker's character pretty much told him, "Hey, never talk about this. You can never talk about this ever again." But we will. We can. That that gives us a good uh, transition as far as talking about sons and their fathers. We can go to the other side, the other side of that coin, and talk about an incredible f- performance by Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Um, we've talked about a few characters in this movie, and for me, I think Killmonger might be the most important person. Well, not, I don't want to say important, but the the character with the most impact in this Yeah, movie. I was going to say, he's the most dynamic character. Everybody yes. else kind of had um, a very, like, I won't say one, they weren't one-sided, they all had depth, but they you, you knew what you were getting from a lot of characters. With Killmonger, yeah. once you thought you knew, then you got his backstory, and now you kind of feel a little differently about how you perceived him to begin with. So he definitely, he was one of, he was the character with the most depth and the most, like, he was, and I think it's because he's so close to Black Americans. He was the one that kind of made you think, like, so is what they're doing right? Like they have this beautiful country, but mm-hmm. are they on the right side of history? The one thing that I got from this was <clears throat> Nakia kind of had the same message as Eric did. Like they were both on that same level. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, they we were. should do more. We can yeah. do more. And also, Eric's father was kind of the same way. And I just kind of think eventually, of course, once T'Challa kind of knew what T'Chaka was, I think he opened himself up to evolve a little bit and say, hey, you know, maybe we should do more. So I think that was a, a very important piece to the story. Because you're going to have people on different sides of the coin when it comes to Killmonger. Some people that actually empathize with him or that felt as though it was almost like a Malcolm X, Martin Luther King type of deal, which it wasn't. But I definitely could could relate to what he was saying. My only problem was the method into which he would do things. And as far as the father was concerned, I had a lot of... Now, when he went to the, when he went to the plane, he did shed some tears. But it was kind of sad when his father came to him and he said, no tears for me. And the kid was just like, everybody dies. Everybody kinda, dies. Yeah, it kind of showed like, a, wow, this guy almost has like a black heart or whatever because he's killed so many people and sat there and watched his father die with panther claws in his body. And it made me feel a lot of empathy for the character. Like, I'm like, I think they did. I think they did that on purpose because he's he said that part as a kid. Like he was a kid when he said everybody dies. Right. And I feel like I feel like the reason he said that is because there's a lot of black kids in certain areas that, that are seeing death at an early age. Like there's a lot of you'd be surprised how many kids you talk to in, in bad areas and you're like, you know, oh I've seen all my friends, a lot of my friends have died. I've been to, you know, you talk about, you know, I don't want to be like the whole Fox News, like, what about Chicago? But you talk to kids from that area, and they'll tell you, like, hey, I've been to 17 funerals, and I'm only 15 years old. 
like that's that's something that's out there that's something that is traumatizing these kids like when you've seen death that many times at that early of an age you almost become numb to it it's just another day for them i think that killmonger's um killmonger's depth and complexity really lended itself to T'Challa becoming a, a more uh, complex person because, again, without him being the catalyst for that change, there's I don't think that T'Challa would have ended up at the UN to say we're reaching out to other nations. Um, and like you said, it's they I it was I believe it was very intentional for them to have young Eric Killmonger say yep. everybody dies because everybody had dies. grown Eric or Killmonger said that, it'd be like, well, that's because you killed them all. Look at the yeah, stars. You're, ki- you're a killer. Right. Of course everybody dies. And uh, an eight, nine-year-old kid said everybody dies, that definitely tugs on your heartstrings a lot more. And it, it points to what, it points to the larger issue. Why isn't Wakanda helping? I, he could have been spared from all of that had somebody came and, and, and extended a, a, a hand to him. You're, you're losing kids at a younger age. Like the, that younger and younger they're become like you can even even the uh at the beginning of the movie when they're you know when they were rescu- rescuing Nakia, like that little kid that was a a, a child soldier essentially, like he's a young kid, he's probably seen death and despair at a young age also, but they were able to save him, but they couldn't save one of their own in Eric uh Stevens. Right. But uh there there, there was a the first time I, I saw it, Nakia and Killmonger I thought they were on kind of the right track. Like, hey, they're saying the same thing, but there was one minor, now it's not even minor, it's a pretty big uh, difference between their ideals is, and the Kia was saying, hey, we need to reach out and try to help these people. The difference between her, between what she said and what Killmonger was saying is Killmonger was saying, hey, we need to go out and rule these people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted to rule over the entire world and he like he obviously he wanted to uplift his people, but he wanted to uplift them by ruling over everyone else and pretty much taking over as the oppressor. Essentially, yes, I was just gonna say that he definitely had yeah. he had taken the mindset of those that had harmed him and wanted to inflict pain on them as well. Whereas, like you said, Nakia was most she her her main thing was outreach. Yes, yes, trying to help, trying to uplift, trying to build with the build with people. Now. When it comes to, to Killmonger's character, especially in the, the MCU, there's not a lot of great villains out there. There's Loki, who's really good, and uh, the Winter Soldier, Bucky, Bucky Barnes. I feel like he's a great villain. But outside of that, it's a lot of nameless, faceless, forgettable, no-depth-having bad guys like a lot of these bad guys are just bad for the sake of being bad they're like oh i'm you know i'm evil let me twist my mustache let me take take some some damsel in distress and put them on the railroad tracks for the hero to get them like there's no depth there you're just bad for no reason there's no reason for there's no real motivation for what you're doing and I feel like Killmonger, you could you you felt where he was coming from. You felt what he was doing and why he was doing it. Now you didn't have to agree with what he was doing, but you at least understood it. And when I watch a movie, the 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 calling card for a great bad guy is when you watch a movie and 
you're more intrigued by the by the villain. Like you want the villain to come back on screen. You're not really right. you're interested in the hero, but you're way more interested in what the villain has to say. Take for example, uh, the the Dark Knight with uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Like every time Joker was on the screen, you're like, okay, I'm captivated. I'm, yeah, I'm more intrigued now. I'm more interested. Not saying that you know Christian Bale as Batman was boring or there wasn't anything there because there was there was stuff there, but with the Joker, you're just like okay, you like you lean closer to the screen, you're paying more attention to him, you gravitate to him. He has a presence about him, and a lot of the villains in the Marvel movies lately, as good as they are, their villains have been pretty bad. Yeah, I, yeah. I can agree. Yeah, Killmonger. Um, was definitely one of those villains that made you like question yourself. Like, is he yes. really wrong? Like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's like I kind of, I kind of see where you're coming from. Like, right. I mean, you change one or two things, and I feel like you're on the right side. You could have been a good guy. The the, the person that uh, that comes to mind with the uh, Killmonger that I think of, as far as when it comes to people that are supposed to be quote unquote villains, but you hear their message and you understand where they're coming from and it changes your mind is uh, Magneto from the movies. Like you can watch some of the X-Men movies, the mostly the ones with uh, uh, Michael Fassbender when he plays Magneto and they give you a little bit of his backstory and what happened to him and why he's the way he is and what his motivation is. And you watch those movies and you're just like, you know what? He's, he's kind of got a point. Like he's, he might be going about it the wrong way, but he's going about it his way, and he his his journey and his his where he's going. He's he had it's true to him, himself. It's authentic. You know, he's not being fake about it. He he believes in what he's doing, and he believes in his cause. Like you can see that in Magneto. You can see that in Killmonger. You can kind of see it in the Joker if he wasn't so crazy, but. All these other Marvel characters, you don't you don't see that. You don't see the motivation and what they're doing outside of just being evil. No, definitely. I agree. Definitely one hundred percent. If you if you had to rank Killmonger when it comes to villains in the uh Marvel cinematic universe, where, where would you put him at? Because I at this point, I I think I would have him I think I'd have him at number two behind the Winter Soldier and above Loki. Because Loki's a is a solid villain, but I, I'm more I like the Winter Soldier as a villain a little bit better. I actually probably would go I would switch mine around. I'd probably go Loki, then Killmonger, then uh Winter Soldier, and then I'd throw Ajax in there, even though he doesn't really count as Marvel, it's more Fox Studios, but um yeah, so if I I don't know, I think Loki is just I love that Loki. I love Loki, even though he's supposed to be the villain. Like he's my favorite. If I had to choose between him or Thor, I'm gonna choose Loki. He's 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 definitely charismatic. Like they're more they're almost more his movies than than right. Thor's. And I yeah, so I I'm still gonna go Loki, Killmonger, um, and then then Bucky. Dolphins, what you got? Where would you put? I'm going uh, Killmonger. Killmonger number one. Um. And I just, I guess it's because I just connected with him better than anybody. Um, actually, Marvel or DC, I'd probably put him at number two overall if we were going that. And that's just a hair behind the Joker character. 
And that's just because even though it was a great character, I, I feel as though we give that one a lot of credit because he did die, but he did do a great job. But Killmonger really resonates with me. I was actually like, damn, they sure they couldn't save him to save him. Did he slide a bead up in him really quick? And you know, maybe we can maybe we can bring the guy back. So I, I definitely Killmonger is is number one in the MCU, in my opinion. It's a great character, great depth. I felt like I really connected with him. And I was actually low-key rooting for the guy, you know? And I, I think that's when you really know you have a good villain. So I, 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 I got to go number one. I, I found myself doing that. I was like, am I supposed to be rooting for him? Like, he, like is he, he's, he's supposed to be the bad guy, right? But I find yes. myself being empathetic to his cause here. Now, I, I feel like one of the, the his opening scene in the movie was pretty pretty great as far as him wanting that woman to uh, pretty much explain all this African culture to him, just to pretty, pretty much testing her, you know, saying like, oh, where is this from? What tribe is this from? And she's kind of just like, you know, this is from wherever, this is what from whatever, blah, blah, blah. I know what I'm talking about. And then he gets to a, a particular uh, artifact and she says it's from wherever. And he's like, nah, that's not where it's from. It's from Wakanda. You know, those people might have claimed it, but it's originally from Wakanda. And he essentially said, like, I'm I'm going to take this. Like, I'm going to take this off your hands. And the woman was like, uh, I don't I don't think you're going to be able to do that. Like you and she starts kind of you know, motioning towards the guards. And, and a, another powerful line that I kind of didn't think that they'd be able to put in a Disney movie was, you know, do you think, you know, your ancestors paid a fair price for this? And that's basically talking about the whole, like, colonizing and, you know, going to other countries that you're not from and just stealing people's culture and their artifacts and all that stuff. And I thought that was a pretty... I That was the part where I was like, okay, I'm on his side. Like, I'm down for whatever he's about. And also when he said, you got all this security focusing on me, you haven't been worried about yourself. Yeah. And, and, been... and, and he said that you've been watching me since I walked in here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of black men that dress a certain type, not even dress a certain type of way, just black men in general. I was going to say, just being a black man in we, a place where they don't you expect know, you to be. Yeah, we walk into certain, like you walk into a, a museum or to, you know, to get a loan or a tax office or some other place. And they're just like, even the you know the the corner store you're walking in and immediately people are watching you. All of a sudden, security starts moving close to you, and that's that's another thing that Ryan Coogler. That's that you get those type of moments when you have black people writing the movie and directing the movie. That's you don't get that in any other movie. Yeah, because I mean, he can identify to the black experience, the black man from where he's from. He's from Oakland, I believe. Um, yeah. He's been in a lot of spaces, especially in the last couple of years with just his rise as a um, as a filmmaker. He's I'm sure he can identify with being in rooms and people kind of give him the side eye because he they feel like he doesn't belong there. No, despite what he's done to accomplish and, and what he's done to get where he is, they don't feel like he belongs in that space. So for them to add that, that bit of like, you've been watching me, but you haven't been watching you and that's going to be to your detriment was exactly. uh, was good. And that and that showed how how focused he is, how determined he is, and how professional he is, because he had he had that going on his end. He had his girl, you know, controlling the cameras. He had uh Claude, you know, being able to come in as the medics to get him to get in. 
you know, kill all the guards, grab the vibranium, and get everybody out of there with nobody even really knowing about it. I also, while we talk about Claw, Claw was great. He like, was great. I needed. I actually needed more of him. Yeah, he was. He was, he was real great. Hilarious when he, they, when he said, "You want my SoundCloud link?" I was like, yes. I'd, actually, <laughs> "I'd actually like your SoundCloud." Link. Let me see what that's about. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind hearing what he had to had to say as far as his music goes. That was that was a good lineup, and he wasn't like he was obviously a madman, but he wasn't over the top. You know what I'm saying? Like he he had, he he was in that he was in his pocket, I guess. He yeah. just wasn't just crazy. His comedy was timely. Very timely. Yes, it was. Yeah, I feel like uh T'Challa's opening fight scene in the in the jungle and Killmonger's opening scene in the museum really set the set the bar for what to expect from those two characters. Um, let's see. After that, they they take all the stuff, they get out of there. Um let's see, they uh T'Challa goes back to um to the the council room to kind of sit down and and you know pretty much get a, a briefing or whatnot about what's the goings on and all that stuff and uh I believe that they get that that message about what's going on uh with uh Killmonger and Claw as far as what they're doing with that uh uh vibranium that they found. But he also he also did have a scene with the the dude from Get Out was Daniel um Kaluuya? But his name yeah. was Wakabi. Yeah, Wakabi. He had a they, there was a little moment between him and T'Challa at uh in his tribe by the uh the rhinos where he was, you know, hey, things have been one way under your father and you know, I hope that things will be different under you. And that's when they go that's when uh uh and Okoye calls both of them and says, "Like, hey, I need you to come back to the to the to the meeting." And they discover that Claw has, you know, taken vibranium and is um, going to try to sell it in Korea. And uh, the Daniel's character is basically saying, "Like, hey, let me come with you because Claw killed my parents, you know, a mm-hmm. long time ago. Like, he's the reason why my parents aren't here." And you know, in a roundabout way, he's blaming T'Challa's father for not doing anything about it. And now they have a chance to get him. And so he's like, hey, I want to go and I want I want to kill him. And T'Challa's like, hey, not. Nah. And this is this is another thing with the uh, how they treat women in this movie. He he told him to stay back. And he's like, I'm taking Okoye and Nakia. Like, I need essentially I need the best of the best. And these two are the best. And they happen to be women. Yeah, Man, I you think just watch the border, boy. There, there was no this. This movie did a. There was no like express like these are women and they're good and we're trying to make um a, a stride to to make sure that women are equal. It was it was pretty much understood like these women these. Yeah, they're women, but most importantly, they're warriors, and that's what we see them as. We see them as equals. We see them as warriors. Like their gender comes second to what we what we know them to do, and we respect them as warriors, as women as well. But we respect them most of all as warriors. Exactly. Now, obviously, I'm gonna get some some scenes mixed up, but they they also established that the uh, uh, Okoye and and Daniel's character are love interest. They're they're together, yes. and 
you know, they, they kind of set that up for the end, but that is an important, you know, thing to note. But as Okoye demonstrates throughout the film, she is loyal to the, to the king. She's loyal to Wakanda no matter what, no matter who is in the way. She is loyal to Wakanda and she will do anything to protect Wakanda. Now, after, you know, um, T'Challa tells him to stand by, uh, Daniel's character is like, hey, well, if I can't go, I need you to either kill Claw or bring him back to Wakanda and we can settle it here. And I feel like, you know, and, and T'Challa said, you have my word. I will do one of those two things. And as we find out later on, he breaks that promise. And I think that's the point where that character decided, hey, you're you're not who you said you were. This isn't going to be different. You're just like your father. And that's I feel like that's where he turned. Yeah, definitely. When that when that promise was broken. Now before before they before they went to Korea, uh T'Challa went to Shuri's office and she's got pretty much everything. She's made everything better. She it's not that you have to put this put the, the helmet on manually now it just automatically comes on now it's just you just have the necklace and the suit just comes on when you think about it you know if somebody hits you you absorb that energy and you put it back at them which is i mean how, how who could think of something like that like who would have thought of something like that that's and and be able to create that and to be able to have that that's pretty that's that advanced technology that they have also, someone pointed out on Twitter, I don't know if this was an intentional thing by the writers or by Ryan Coogler as a director or anything, but they were saying, you know, as black people, there are a lot of things that are thrown at us and we've been able to absorb it and still come out and, and turn it towards our good. So I don't know if that was supposed to be a metaphor for that. If it was, what a clever way to throw that in there. If not, then that's even cooler for somebody on Twitter to kind of make that connection. Yes, I, I saw that also. But I mean, yeah, it's a thing where we a lot of a lot of black people take take a lot of shit, <laughs> and at some point, like you've had enough and you throw it back at them. It's gonna be a lot. Now, um, that this is the uh, the scene with the the whole like what are those thing, and that's that's just something that you're like you could you could honestly you could have put that same scene in a movie, say like you know Guardians of the Galaxy, because that's a movie where they do a lot of joking on each other and there's a lot of comedy in that movie but what are those as an urban thing like that's something that we do that's something that we created and it's it comes back to authenticity like it's more authentic in this movie than say guardians of the galaxy for someone to look at someone's shoes and then just flame the fuck out of them for it <laughs> yeah i don't think it would have resonated the same uh um... nah. In, in in that movie, it would have been funny, but I don't think it would have resonated. Yeah, not not saying that it can't be funny by someone else saying it, but it's not the same. You know, there's just certain things where it's just it just works coming out of our mouths more. Yep. But uh, the then we get to Korea, and um, Lapita is looking very nice. If I if I must, I'm surprised it didn't freeze again because every time she was on screen, it was pretty much. Uh, a breathtaking visual, but uh, they go to the to the casino, trying to find uh, Claw and the buyer, 
and it turns out the person that's buying the vibranium is Agent Ross, who's the same the same uh, agent that took uh, what's that guy's name Zemo from Civil War and pretty much captured him. So he him and him and T'Challa have a, a professional relationship as far as you know how how their relationship goes. He he knows who he is. He's pretty much kept that a secret, and he's pretty much trying to. I, I think he's trying to buy the vibranium so he can use it for, you know, their own, you know, personal gain. Like he's not buying vibranium to take it back to Wakanda. He's buying the vibranium to use it. That's probably how the whole, you know, whole black market, how, how do, how do these weapons from other countries end up in America? And there's probably things like this where criminals and, you know, people from the black market sell it to government agents and then government agents might sell it to other people and it just gets into the wrong hands. I don't know if anybody uh, noticed that, but that's yeah. kind of that's kind of what I got from that scene. And I can't. Yeah, I don't know if it's what you said. He was buying it on some black market type stuff or if he was just trying to get it out of Claw's hands. I, I, yeah, that's also a possibility because I, I, I feel like they know about Claw's history and what he's all about. And essentially, they try to surround the place, try to get a perimeter set up for when Claw gets there. And Claw being the the kind of guy that he is, because in Age of Ultron, he went to Wakanda and uh, stole some stuff. And he knows how the Wakandas are. He knows how, I guess, I don't want to say vengeful, but like if you mess with their stuff, they're going to come for you and you better be prepared. So him walking around with vibranium, he knows that the Wakandans know and that they're going to come and try to get that. So he comes with him and like seven other people with, you know, armed to the teeth or whatnot. And essentially a, a, a fight scene ensues. And this was one of the, the, the better scenes in that movie. But T'Challa kind of took a backseat to Okoye. Like she pretty much owned that casino with her fighting. Like that's some of the best action sequences that we've seen in a Marvel movie in a while. Yeah, um, she definitely took the lead with that one. She she kicked it all off. Um, without her initially kind of getting them together up on the top floor, um, then there would be there. I would say I'll say this: Okoye took the least amount of losses. Oh yeah, the child spent again spent a lot of time getting. Not as bad as he would be- was before, but he got kicked around a lot more than Okoye did or than Nakia did. Um, so even when it was his chance to get Claw, he, he couldn't make it happen. Okoye did a, a really good job of kind of spearheading that effort. And that, and that just goes to show you how powerful they are. Like, they're not just there to look good. They're there to kick some ass, and that's what they did. Like she was there, she was there because she's the best, and I thought that was one of the uh, the better like hand to hand fight scenes without a lot of uh, CGI uh, going through. There was there were no superpowers in that fight scene. It was just right hand to hand, you know, a woman with a stick or a spear like just throwing people around, and I thought that was a pretty impressive fight scene. Yeah. And even oh, go ahead. Oh no, it was uh, less superhero-y too. Because in like yeah. the other Marvel movies, it's still very. I got my cape, I got my shield, 
but that one looked like it could have been in like an Ocean's Eleven or something. I don't know. It could have been in like another action movie and still fit right in. There wasn't so much superheroiness, if if that can be a thing, to where <laughs> you're like, okay, this is this is cheesy now. This couldn't translate into other movies. It didn't. The action didn't take you out of the movie. Right. You you felt like you were still in it and. A lot of people were comparing uh, Black Panther to like a James Bond movie, and that's kind of how that scene almost played out. Yeah, I actually read somewhere, uh, was it in Rolling Stone? Or it might have been in some other publication, to where before there was a concrete script for Black Panther, they, they wanted it to be more Bondy, and And Ryan Coogler was like, nah, that ain't really where we're trying to go with this. Yeah. <laughs> I could see like maybe that one scene just because he was in like a pretty nice suit. They were in a casino trying to be undercover and all that stuff. But as a whole, no, it's not. I would get the uh, the James Bond vibe. But uh, essentially, they they have like a, a little shootout, a little fight in the club. Uh, Claw escapes in a in a vehicle, and the the chase ensues, and that's another pretty pretty cool action sequence there. Um. What you call it? Uh, T'Challa being able to uh, just ride on top of a car that Suri can drive mobily from Wakanda, like that's another piece of technology that she created that is pretty incredible that sure. other people don't have. Like the ability to be able to control a car in another country, like that's just mind blowing, right there. Right. A, yeah. Go ahead. No, that was it. No, it was. It was. It points again to how smart she was. And, yeah, I mean, what can you do when the guy in the cat suit is chasing you around in the car that nobody's in? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're pretty much done for. <laughs> Literally nobody behind the wheel, but that car is coming. You know, and they have a, a pretty cool uh, car scene chase, even with the uh, Okoye and the Kia on their side with, with who they're chasing. That was pretty, pretty epic car chase. And at the end... They essentially catch up with Claw, T'Challa does, and they're pretty much in the middle of the street, and T'Challa is coming at him like, yo, it's it's a rat for you. Like, I'm about to kill you. And Nakia shows up with uh, Okoye and Agent Ross saying like, hey, you can't do this. The world is watching, essentially. Like, you're, you're the Black Panther. You can't just kill this dude out in the middle of the street like this with all these people watching. Now, I, I remember that scene, and then I, you know, at, when I got home, I was on Twitter just looking at, you know, people talking about the movie, and I saw uh, a post by someone. Her name is at Sid, Sid Petit, and I wanna, I wanna read this, read what she wrote to you. I'm gonna read what she wrote, and I want y'all's thoughts on it. And this is about that scene particularly. She said. The scene where T'Challa was about to kill Claw and Nakia told him not to because the world was watching, that makes me think of how black people always have to be the bigger person for the sake of not perpetuating stereotypes. As a black person in America, you can have every right and reason to go off when someone is provoking you. They probably deserve the meanest ass whooping in the world, but if you do it, you're a violent thug and a menace to society. So I'll, I'll I'll start with you, Adolphus. What did you think about what she said in relationship to that scene? You know what? That was pretty powerful in a sense. Um, I think, honestly, I'd have to agree with her because 
you knew who claw killed you knew what your objective was but it was a lot of people watching and i mean i know i talked earlier about him and his lack of aggression and being passive on that one it looked like he was going to kill claw but you know at the end of the day he didn't and i just think that that's a that's a pretty interesting point i mean that speaks true to what does happen we could be picked on someone could kill our mothers do this and that and we're expected not to extract any revenge and let the justice system do their course but if someone does it to us you know, i mean well if we if if someone does it to us then it's just no big deal so i i definitely kind of feel with that person saying shout out to you kiana what you what you got uh yeah no that's a, a pretty interesting point we've seen it I mean, people shoot our, our sons and nephews and our nieces and our sisters dead in the street, and we're just supposed to be okay with it. Not necessarily be okay, but we're not supposed to speak out about it, according to other people. Um, and it was, yeah, T'Challa was definitely on his way to, to putting it into to Claw. He had had enough, and uh, he made that promise to Wakabi that he would bring Claw back. And, yeah, it's unfortunate that he couldn't do what he he would be well within his right to do um, because so many people were watching. And the moment that he missteps, then that has larger ramifications on the community around him. Yeah, I I totally agree with what uh what she said about that scene. I didn't I didn't really catch it when I was watching. I think when I first saw it, I just thought of like, you know, you're essentially a superhero. Like you're a, you're a an Avenger essentially and you just can't be out here just killing people because you know that's not what heroes do heroes you know captured the bad guy and take him to jail so and also in civil war the movie right before it the avengers were already in trouble for- yeah they were they were already wilding out <laughs> yeah so that could have also been a callback to that movie in addition to that point exactly exactly so they essentially end up you know taking claw back to a, a, a holding cell or whatnot and interrogating him. And, you know, that, that, that there's the scene where, uh, you know, Agent Ross, you know, taps T'Challa on the, on the shoulder and, and Okoye is like, hey, keep on before I cut your head off and all that stuff. And you also get a, a glimpse of how well their technology works as far as him uh, placing that, uh, that thing on his shoulder so he can hear, you know, everything that they're saying. Now there was, I guess during the interrogation is where I, I thought that's where the the actor that played Claw really stood out. I thought he owned that scene. I think it was a, a perfect balance between like crazy and and scary. Yeah, and I think he had to be just crazy enough to where T'Challa could say. Well, because y'all know that what he said was true, but he had to be just crazy enough for where T'Challa could be like, okay, look, he's tied to a chair. He's obviously crazy. Don't believe anything he said. Hey, you're going to believe me or believe a, a, a right. madman tied to a chair? He had to just just over that edge of, of insanity to where it's kind of hard to believe what he would say. And even even Agent Ross was kind of on the fence. He was like, wait, you got, you got this arm from Wakanda? There's, I thought you took all their vibranium. What do you, what, there's a mountain of vibranium over there? Like, and you could see the, the gears 
you know, twisting and rotating in his head, like, yo, all we got is a is Captain America's shield. Like, if we can have a whole mountain full of vibranium, like we could change, like we could change the world with that stuff too. And it's just in a third world country. Why do they have it? They don't need it. They're not using it. That's kind of what I got from from that scene as far as how he was looking at him. It was kind of like, you know, probably how those those people looked at the artifacts that they they stole and put in their museums. It's like, hey, y'all aren't using it. We're gonna put this to better use and make some money off of it. But while all that is happening, uh, one Eric Stevens is on his way to to get Claw out of there, and while he does that, Agent Ross takes a bullet for Nakia, and uh, T'Challa tries to stop Killmonger, and he's unable to, but he does notice the the ring that uh, Killmonger's wearing, or has around his neck, and he recognizes it because that's the same ring his father had. And there's no way for any random person to have that unless you're from Wakanda or in some sort of lineage with them. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder if Killmonger, I know he wore it in memory of his father, but if he had it shown purposely, because there, I kind of, I don't know, maybe this could just be kind of thinking a little bit too far into it, but I don't think there's any way that Killmonger could have not known who T'Challa was. Um, because, I mean, even though Wakanda was kind of a separatist nation and they kind of kept to themselves, um, they, T'Challa had been in the news before and he knew who T'Chaka was and um, Eric knew his heritage. So I think he, I don't know, I feel like it was kind of on purpose to let him see that, to know like, I'm I'm one of you. And it was kind of a setup to get him to kind of, I don't know, to introduce himself before he actually introduced himself. Almost like a mental game. Right. Hmm, I agree, because I kind of felt like even though he had been hit, why didn't T'Challa chase, give chase again when he had Okoye? Well, like right next well, to him. I think he, he stopped because uh, Okoye said something about Nakia possibly being something was okay. wrong with her, so that's why he went back. And they didn't realize that, you yeah. know, Agent Ross had, had, had took that L for it. And uh, so I guess this is where things get a little complicated as far as what do you do in this situation? Because, you know, this guy took a bullet for your ex or, or for, took a bullet for someone that you care about. And mm-hmm. you know that you have the technology to, to heal him, to make him 100% better. But you also know that, hey, if we if we bring in a government official to Wakanda and he sees what we have, he's going to go back and tell his people like what he saw, what he knows, all that stuff. And once that happens, then the roof is the roof is off. Like now you're pretty much exposed to the rest of the world. And that's not what you want. So I'll I'll start with uh, Kiana. If you were in that position, if you were, if you had to make that call, do you let Agent Ross just die there and keep Wakanda hidden? Or do you bring him back to Wakanda and risk, you know, the entire world knowing what you're actually capable of? I think you, I would bring him back, but only from the standpoint of he 
did what he did to help Nakia. Had he taken a bullet in some other circumstance, just like a straight bullet, unfortunately, he's a casualty of quote-unquote war. But because he did what he did for Nakia, I think you you almost feel like you owe him at least a chance to to save him. Hmm. Dolphins, what would you do? (sighs) He's a casualty of war. I mean... Our duty is to protect Wakanda. I would have let him die. I mean, I would have still put the beam in him to stabilize him, but I couldn't bring him back. Or And even if I were to, I wouldn't leave him by himself because this runs into a string of things I didn't like, and that was them bringing him to Wakanda. And then Suri basically, you know, she was just giving out information like it was a charity event or something. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like once he gets there, Hey, you know what? Well, well, this, if you were healed by vibranium and yes, I created this system here, even though no one else in the world has this access. And yeah, you were just healed in in a night and different stuff like that. Like I kind of felt like with her being so willing to give information and him there, he got healed quickly. And then he got a ton of information real fast. Yes. So I just it, thought it was a little bit of a bad deal. It seemed like Suri was like really amped up to talk to people. Yeah, just really to yeah. it, it was more like she was bragging because a lot of that stuff was her creation. Like I think the the railway system was something that she developed. So she's just like just showing off, like, hey, this is what I did. I created this stuff. This is all the stuff we have. Like she's pretty much showing off because it's like, yo, like we're where the shit down here. Like you got some hot shit over here, and y'all ain't got y'all ain't got this. So I can kind of understand wh- why she would, you know, be so open to the to the technology they have. If it's it's a t- it's a tough call because I could at the, at that point, Okoye, you know, was saying like, "Hey, we can't bring him back." Nobody asked him to take that bullet because you know, at the end of the day, if Nakia would have took that bullet, they would have been able to save her, no problem, because they saved him. So they didn't need him to take that bullet. He did that on his own. But coming from T'Challa's perspective, they have, like we we talked about earlier, they have a business relationship where he he's pretty much kept it a secret that you know he's been he's Black Panther. So I maybe he felt like he owed him one, and then he took that bullet for his ex. So it's like you know he felt like he was he. He was almost obligated to to take that bullet, which I can I can I, I can understand both people and where they were coming from in that part in that in that situation. I can understand each each of their perspectives and why they would or would not want him to to come back. But they they do take uh, Agent Ross back to Wakanda, and T'Challa confronts his uh, his uncle. That's his uncle, the Forrest Whitaker's character. That's his uncle, right? Um, I don't think so. I think Zuri is more of um, a family friend. I don't think Zuri was of any relation to them. Yeah, he's just an older family friend. Right. So he, he confronts him and he's like, hey, I saw another guy with the ring that my dad has. Where did that come from? How is that possible? And he's essentially was like, hey, I can't, I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not real. He's like, yo, I know what I saw. You need to to tell me what's going on. And he's like, hey, I I made a promise to the the king. 
And T'Challa's like, yo, uh, I'm the king now. Like, you need to speak on this. And he essentially, you know, tells him the uh, the backstory of what happened at the beginning of the movie where uh, Killmonger's dad was, he essentially helped Claw steal Vibranium so he could help the people in Oakland because, you know, like he was like a, uh, Killmonger's dad was saying, like, hey, these people are being, you know, over-policed, they're being discriminated against, they're they're being forced into these poor areas and they don't have any real ways to defend themselves. And I don't know if saying Killmonger's dad was radicalized by being a spy in a city like Oakland during that time, because Oakland, I, like the, the whole Oakland thing is, is purposeful. Like, like we said, Ryan Coogler, the director and writer is from Oakland and the, Black Party, Black Panther Party movement started in Oakland. So to put that situation in Oakland makes a lot of sense for him to look out his window during that time and to see, you know, Black people rising up and being, you know, beat down pretty swiftly. That could change someone's mindset to where they're like, hey, I, you, you see what's happening in Oakland and you know what we got back in Wakanda, and it's kind of hard to just sit there, sit on your hands, and not try to help out. And I, I feel like that's the part where they, where he kind of turned. And I, I don't want to say turned because he wasn't a bad guy, but you could kind of understand why he would help Claw steal vibranium. Now he didn't; he probably didn't realize Claw was going to end up killing Wakandans. But I feel like his heart was in the right place as far as helping Claw uh, get vibranium. It's it's the same way it would be if if any of us maybe had gone to um, a, a nation where they don't have the same resources as we do, and you kind of you kind of get this sense of like, hey, I could do more to help. And for uh, Njobu, it was like I know for a fact I can do more to help, and I know there are people that can help me, and you're not. And so radicalized may have been a strong word. But um, I he he had a point. He had a point. And I I feel like that's uh, an ode to to good storytelling because he didn't steal that vibranium because he wanted to make money or be evil or just be the bad guy. He wanted to help the people in Oakland, and he knew that this would help them. And this this also falls in line with the whole you know, following in your father's footsteps or trying to trying to fulfill your father's legacy because Killmonger's dad died when he was a kid. So Killmonger felt like he needed to pick up that mantle and and carry it on and, and fulfill that his quote unquote prophecy. Like, I need to go back to Wakanda. I need to go back home and get the vibranium and save these save my people like the people in America that look like me, those are my people. The people in Wakanda are technically my people, but we didn't grow up the same. We didn't have the same life experiences. And, you know, there's also levels about how things are different between, all right, how, how, how does your life go? If you're 
if you have a positive father figure in your life, as opposed to how it goes if, you know, your father figure is killed or if you don't have one. Like, Killmonger and T'Challa had two totally different uh, upbringings, but essentially they ended up at the same place. They both were king. He, I mean, Killmonger wasn't king for that long, but he, he got to the same places. So it is possible to, to make it even if you're, if the, you know, cards are stacked against you. Like, you know, a, a kid that young losing their kid or losing their dad while living in Oakland. I mean, they talked about all the things that he did. He went to like MIT, joined the, the military, was like the top of his class, the best out there. And he was able to make something of himself. And T'Challa had more, you know, uh, you know, I guess opportunities to be great. And he was great. But they still ended up being at the same spot, going through, you know, on different roads. No, that's that's a good point. I didn't even consider um, what the presence of a father could have done for Killmonger. So, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it. He did. He did. He had a. He had a father for a little bit, but I guess maybe if he would have had a father, if his father would have would have made it. And if, maybe if his father hadn't have been killed, you know, Killmonger would have been guided in a different way. He, My thing is, why couldn't his father say more or do more when he met him on the ancestral plane? I mean, I know he had to know what was going on. He didn't even say anything one way or the other, like say, hey, you know, son, you're going about this in the wrong way or just anything. It was all about, hey, are you sad for me? And these are the secrets and different stuff like that. Like, why why couldn't you say, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't take this approach to doing things or so I, I don't know. I just I kind of wondered about that a little bit. Yeah, I think I think for that, I, I, I mean, I don't know how like how long you're able to stay out there, like stay in that plane. Like they didn't really establish if you could stay in the ancestral plane for a long period of time. Like maybe it's only you get like five minutes to really say what you need to say or, you know, get whatever off your chest that you need to. Um, what was that? I just lost my train of thought. Uh, what were we talking about? Killmonger and yeah, Killmonger and the ancestral plane with his father. And I was kind of just wondering yeah, yeah. why didn't his father say more about it? Or, or, I mean, I would, I would assume his father knew what he was going to do or, knew some of the things that he had done at that point, and he didn't really say anything about it. Yep. And also, um, T'Chaka, I mean, did he did he have to kill Killmonger's dad? Like, he... I was wondering that, too. Like, you couldn't just take his arm off, or... Yeah, but I guess my thing was, it's like, is what he did, was that punishable by death? And maybe that's why he just killed him there. But... You know, if T'Chaka doesn't kill him, then he's like, hey, I want you to come back to Wakanda so you can face trial for what you did. Then that means that Eric Eric Stevens gets to go back to Wakanda and his life is totally different now. Like he, he might still have some sort of animosity towards, you know, T'Chaka because like he's going to punish his dad. He's been taken away from, from his home and He's going to grow up living in Wakanda, knowing all this stuff, while also knowing what it's like in Oakland. 
because I, I don't think T'Challa grew up knowing how bad things were in America. And I'm yeah, pretty I think sure they were sheltered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, pretty I was sure say sheltered. I, I've read that in, in African countries, they don't, they don't really talk about like the slave trade and stuff like that. They don't really teach their kids that because I mean, that's, that's pretty dark, I guess. Like no one wants to really relive that or discuss what happened there, but maybe that's how Wakanda is. They just don't really talk about that. So they're just like, Hey, we we're just going to wash our hands of that and just try to try to move on. But and and T'Challa learning all that, that pretty much shattered the image that he had of his father. Because like we said earlier, T'Chaka didn't just make a, a, a small mistake. He made a big mistake. Like, that's a huge mistake. But my thing is, why would you value the life of Zuri or James or um, Forrest Whitaker's character more than your own flesh and blood blood brother. Like I, I it's still it's just like even watching it three times, I'm like, okay, you couldn't just disarm him or whatever. You had to stab him in the chest and leave him there to die. Like, you know, like I, I do empathize with the way that T'Challa was feeling everyone because it's like you couldn't give the guy the proper burial. You you lied about things. You covered it up. Did you really have to kill the guy? I mean, I understand that James or Zuri was a good spy, and hey, you you reward him. And another thing, why was uh, Eric Stevens' father? Why was he so hell bent on killing James? Like he was he, like, you betrayed me. <laughs> you mean to tell me you were from Wakanda the whole time? It's like, look, bruh, you're the one that's in trouble. He was he was heated. Yeah, I think that T'Chaka killed um, his brother not by accident, but kind of in like a spur of the moment decision. I don't think he went into it thinking like intentionally trying to kill him. I think it just kind of happened. Might have just even been reflexes. Like that's just how he is. Like he's like, this is how I get down. Like people shoot, I go and I go for the kill. You disarm people, like eliminate the threat. I guess. Possibly so, but it did cause a ripple effect in this whole big thing. And it's like, if you handle it different, um, if you take the child, if you do something different with the body or something, because then how how do you explain that to the police? Yeah, you come upstairs. My dad has a freaking panther claw in his chest in the middle of Oakland. Yeah. (laughs) What the heck, man? That's that's pretty, pretty hard to explain there. But I mean, him doing that, that's that's his chickens coming home to roost. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was on T'Chaka. Like, everything that happened there, the whole Killmonger coming about is all because of T'Chaka's mistake. That could have, it could have all been avoided, but T'Chaka didn't want, you know, people to know that his brother betrayed Wakanda and that his brother was the reason why, you know, uh, what Wakabi's uh, family was killed. Like the, I guess the the his his family name was more important than bringing back uh, Eric Killmonger. But like I said, the that whole situation kind of broke. Not, I don't want to say it broke T'Challa, but it kind of 
broken down mentally as far as like, yo, the person I've emulated myself after did something like that, like did something pretty terrible and ha- everything that I feel like I've known and been taught is now, you can almost throw it out of the window now because this guy, this guy I worshiped essentially is a, is a terrible person. And, um, well, not a terrible person, but he made a terrible mistake. And, um, a thing that I, I didn't catch the first time, but that, um, T'Chaka, the, the old, the guy that played old T'Chaka and young T'Chaka, they're actually father and son in real life. And I, I didn't realize that until, uh, after I saw it the second time, they're actually related. And I thought that was a nice little touch there. I also thought young T'Chaka uh, had a striking resemblance to current T'Challa too. So yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they might be there. There might be something going on there. Yeah, but uh, let's see. After that, uh, Killmonger pretty much it, it exposes uh, himself to being a Wakandan to Claw and saying like, "Hey, I'm going to Wakanda with," and I'm. I'm He's essentially using Claw as a peace offering because Killmonger is a smart guy. He knows his history. He knows what happens. And he knew that having Killmonger as a, uh, what you call it, as a peace offering to Wakabi Wakabi was a way to um, get get into Wakanda without being killed, essentially. Like, Wakabi's going to see Killmonger or see Claw's uh, dead body and be like, hey, this is who who is this guy? How did he do this? But before we get to that point, I just got a couple things. The way that he killed his girlfriend, like no questions asked. Hey, you knew what you signed up when you got from me. She was like, I'm sorry. Like she knew it was coming anyway. Pow, it's over. I think that just yeah, chase Claw down like a dog. Of course, he revealed his lip tattoo, which, of course, um, we learned when he went to the ancestral plane that his father had given it to him um, before he that was one of the keys that he had given him before he died. But I just thought that was like crazy when you finally see, okay, this is all together. And even the way that he had planned it out, like um, Claw was like, hey, don't worry, I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to lay low. I get you your money. You know I'm good for it. And Killmonger was like, you know what? Nah, yeah, we know you're good for it. Who cares? You know, drop us off in Wakanda. Like he 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 wanted to get to Wakanda by any means necessary, and he was going to do what he needed to do. And I think it was kind of cool how things lined up with um, him killing Claw, providing it. First of all, knowing how to fly a plane from where from Busan, South Korea, all the way to some part of Africa is kind of crazy too. Yeah. But you you're able to fly the plane, you deliver the body to the exact person who Claw killed their parents, who already was starting to build a budding resentment to T'Challa and to Wakanda. And he delivered it to him. And of course, he delivered him to the king like he wanted to. That was a good setup into how all that happened. I know it's nothing that's like out of the ordinary, but it was kind of just amazing how he he delivered him to the right person that was going to bring him to the right person and delivering him directly to Wakabi. That's why I think that Killmonger 
knew exactly who T'Challa was and was introducing himself before introducing himself. Like, there's no way I don't. Well, there's a there's a way to know to not know who Wakabi is because who would know who Wakabi is? Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. A part of me kind of feels like he happened upon Wakabi maybe because they guard the border and yes. he just kind of happened upon Wakabi and showed it to him. And Wakabi just he jumped at the first moment to say, "Oh, I finally got the dude that killed my yeah, parents." Yeah, because now if he would have gave it to anybody else, I don't think it would have been the same amount of significance. Like with right, him they would have been showing like, the tattoo and all, yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Killmonger's just thinking three steps ahead, I, I I guess. That's that's how I took it. It's like he knows exactly what he's doing. He's laser focused on on his plan and his goal. And he like he, he keeps saying like he's been waiting his whole life for these for these moments to happen. And he wasn't gonna let his quote unquote girlfriend get in the way. He wasn't gonna let Claw get in the way. Like whatever he whatever he had planned is what he was gonna do. So he essentially did all that with the with Claw's body to get some kind of um what you call it, some kind of audience, you know, with T'Challa. And I think T'Challa T'Challa at that point knew who Killmonger was after, you know, uh Zuri told him the story about him and his his dad. So um, th- this is another part where Killmonger kind of got me closer to his side again, where he was saying like, hey, you guys have all this technology, you guys have all these advancements, you have all these weapons, and y'all haven't done anything to help any of us. And there's also the, the, the part where it's, um, you can you can take away the Africans versus African Americans, where he's like, you know, you y'all aren't Y'all aren't one of us. We're only, you know, T'Challa's like, hey, you, you're not Wakandans. We're not charged with protecting you because you're not one of us. And Killmonger's like, hey, we look just like you. Everybody comes from Africa. Africa is the place where mankind started from. How are we not the same? And I, and I, I understood where he was coming from. It's like, how do you not help your people? Like, they might not be of the same tribe as you. They might not have grown up as, you know, at the same place as you, but they're still your people and you still have the ability to help and you didn't. And just just the way Michael B. Jordan portrayed that and gave that off, you're like, man, I I, I, I get where he's coming from. Like he might he, he T'Challa is wrong here. T'Chaka was wrong. Everybody is wrong and Killmonger is right here. That's that's essentially what I got from that scene. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that one. Um, and I definitely like how Wakabi kind of took him in. I mean, it was the perfect kind of segue to things. And you're right. At that point, uh, T'Challa knew who he was because he recognized that was his grandfather's. Ori- that was well, both of them were the grandfather's rings. He knew that that was his uncle's ring. And so he kind of knew what was going on and from, of course, Zuri telling him the story and he kind of already knew. And that goes to once again, if you're the Black Panther, you're the king. I know that's your cousin. I wouldn't have accepted that challenge. I wouldn't have. You you can't make me challenge anybody. Yeah, and no, if, it, if it was if it was T'Chaka, he would have killed him right there to his knees. No questions asked. 
but no good goody two shoes T'Challa. I'm gonna let him go ahead and challenge me and fight me. And I, I just thought that was a big mistake. But that's 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 where tradition comes in, though. Like like they said, he is a direct. He's in direct. Uh, he has royal blood. Killmonger does like his bloodline is royalty, and as royalty, he has it's his birthright birthright to be able to challenge for the throne. And you at I guess do you throw tradition out the window once you get in the power? You know what I'm saying because. That's essentially what Killmonger did. Once Killmonger got into power, he was like, all right, all these herbs and stuff, get rid of all of them because I don't want anybody else having the abilities that I have. He threw tradition out the window. He destroyed their tradition. And T'Challa was like, hey, this is tradition. We're going to fight. Like, and, and the only part they did throw away was the whole you know, preparing the ceremony and all that stuff. He was like, yo, I don't need time to practice. I don't need anything. I don't, I want to fight him right now. And T'Challa, that was a part of the of tradition that he threw to the side. You know who I blame for all of this? The guy with the lip plate. Because had he not said, who are you? Then he just would have been held captive. Like, it was yeah, nothing. Yeah, pushed back out. Yeah. The yeah. conversation had nothing yeah. to do with him. And he just decided to speak up. I was like, really? And bro? that was from uh, Nakia's tribe, right? The dude with the lip ring was so. in her tribe. Because yeah. T'Challa was like, nah, I'm not going to give you a chance to say who you are. And then it was almost over. He's like, who are you? Like, come on, dog. You didn't have to say that. Just just couldn't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> just had to say something. Mm-hmm. But, and and after that, they go back to the to the to the challenge area and which I do want to say, I, I know we didn't touch on that originally, but that mountain in that area, that was just so well done as well. Like when they initially came out to it and everybody was in, in song and they were on the boats and everything came out and you, you seen T'Challa look up through the mountains and you seen all the tribes just lined up and chanting and thing like that. Like, that was actually really dope to me. Like some some of those songs and some of those drum patterns that were played, they really like spoke to me as a person. Like they were just so nasty. Like when they were fighting and you know the tachala and stuff like that, you're just like, dang, you know, this is really hype, man. I feel this. But I, I definitely um I like how they did that fighting in the water. Um, he's he's even an honorable guy for still you know, and I know it's tradition, but he stripped the the Black Panther from himself in order to fight Eric. And I was actually surprised that with what you would think of the level of training and the level of knowledge that T'Challa has that Killmonger was able to still keep it so close in the fight. But that's just my take on it. You thought the the fight was pretty even between uh, T'Challa and Killmonger? Yeah, for the most part, like like I said in the beginning, I kind of felt like there were two instances where T'Challa could have went ahead and put an end to Eric, but I felt like he held back. But I thought it was it was a lot closer than what you would think. Hey, an American guy, you're fighting in the water against a guy who's probably done this before and probably trained to fight in this manner, hand-to-hand combat. I thought it was a little, it, it was a lot closer to what I would have thought. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know if I would have gotten rid of the strength of the Black Panther because it's not like Eric would have known either way. <laughs> he's an awful <laughs> man, yeah. It's uh, not he's like got he would have been like, hey, hey, you're missing a step because he don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't know everything. 
Yeah, you let that, I just fought him. <laughs> but that also that also falls under tradition. Like everybody else would have known. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody else would have known that uh T'Challa didn't defend his title righteously, I guess. Because everybody knows that stuff. But uh for me, this is where I thought, you know, uh T'Challa had to earn well he did I mean he didn't even earn it because he he lost it at the end, but he I I didn't really think that he was on the same level as Killmonger when it came to fighting. I, I kind of expected it to be more of an even fight. Like I feel like Killmonger kind of owned him in that fight. Even to the point where uh, Zuri felt the need to step in and he ended up, you know, taking a serious L also. I, I think Killmonger was able to edge him out because Killmonger had a lot of how, had a lot more uh he had a lot more to fight for. Yeah, yeah. He had a lot more motivation to to get rid of T'Challa. T'Challa, I won't say he didn't have any motivation, but it was nowhere near like Killmonger said, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Like and T'Challa had just found out about this sixteen hours ago. So yeah. It's like, hey, man, I didn't know all that, man. I just found right. out yesterday. <laughs> At the same time, yeah, I probably would have been like, D- I mean, like, we don't have to do this. Like, yeah, I, like, I even, get it. I'm I feel sorry. Pain. I, my bad. Like, what we can I do to make this it. up for you? <laughs> That's why I say T'Challa had a terrible week. Like, none of that. He lost his dad. He found out his dad wasn't the guy he thought he was. And he got, he almost died. Like, and none of that had anything to do with him. That is true. Yeah. All that stuff happened in like a week span. That's, whew. That's a lot to go through. But like I said, uh, Killmonger kills Zuri and essentially kills T'Challa and um, wins the mantle as uh, the king of Wakanda. And this is where the, this is where, how you, why you see like the door Melaje. This is where you see their loyalty because even knowing that, hey, like this, there's something off of this guy, he's not the kind of king that we want but we're still loyal to the throne because they still did the whole you know x thing for him and let him go through all the you know to the ancestral plane where he got to talk talk to his dad again they pretty much did everything that he said everything that he said was pretty much done he told him to to burn all the uh the herbs and i mean the lady hesitated but he essentially they they burned him because he said to 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 get rid of that because he wants to be the only one that's able to basically be the Black Panther. He wants to be the only one. He doesn't want someone else to have another chance to challenge him like he did. He doesn't want the same thing to happen to him that happened to T'Challa. Just some outsider coming in and, and challenging for the throne. Now. Uh, Nakia was able to sneak in and get one of the herbs because they were going to take it to the Jabari, the Jabari tribe, Timbaku, because he's a pretty big dude. So I would probably take it to him. If if I was looking for someone to, to, to face Killmonger, I would take it to him. And I would I would hope that he would 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 want to help. So um uh, T'Challa's mom and, and Suri were snuck out of there with uh, Agent Ross and Nakia because who who knows what Killmonger would have did had he was had he 
been able to get a hold of those two. So I think that uh, Suri and uh, Agent Ross did the right thing by getting them out of there and trying to get to the uh, Jabari tribe. Now, if Nakia comes to you and you're Jabari, and, and you, or not Jabari, and you're M'Baku, and you challenged T'Challa for the throne and lost, and now you have the opportunity to have the powers of the Black Panther, would Kiana, would you take that opportunity? Uh, no, I agree with what he did. Because you got the Jabari tribe had been so far removed from Wakandans that I don't think he would have been able to be the king that they that they needed or that he would even want to be. They were so um, committed to their way of life up in the mountains that M'Baku as king, he's he's a king, he's a good king for where he is. But as a king of Wakanda, I don't think he he would have been a good king or that he even wanted to be, to be honest. I think he challenged T'Challa just off, he just off a, a need to, a, a desire to challenge him, but not because he actually wanted to be king. That makes sense. I could kind of see um, where he was coming from. I, I took it as because he, he already knew that he had T'Challa, he he didn't take the herb because T'Challa spared his life. That was one of the times where T'Challa being a good guy came around to help him in the end because had T'Challa killed M'Baku, like, who knows what happens then? Like, who knows where you know T'Challa gets doesn't get found or he isn't able to be brought back to life, and, and this is if we're gonna go back a little bit when uh, Killmonger threw T'Challa off of the uh, the waterfall. I thought that this is where they would try to insert the last Infinity Stone, the Soul Stone. And from what I understand is like the soul stone is able to, you're able to communicate with the dead and bring people back to life. So I thought that at that point they would uh, introduce that stone and that could be the bridge to why all those aliens that Thanos is in control of end up in Wakanda, but no sign of the, uh, the last affinity stone from, uh, from Wakanda so far. I still think it's there, but I guess we'll we'll talk about that after Infinity Wars comes out. But uh like I said, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken it, but I could understand if he would have. But uh did, did we we didn't really talk about Mbaku Mbaku's character or the actor that played him. He he hasn't been in anything else before this, has he? He was in a show called Person of Interest. Um, I don't. That's not a show that I think I've ever seen, but I do know he had he he had at least been in that. He graduated from Yale, or at least attended Yale. I don't know if he graduated, but him and Lupita Nyong'o um, were at Yale together. Yeah, I feel like every character that was casted in this movie like did a great job. Like Mbaku was a he's a pretty main character he's not one of the, like the the marquee people but he did a great job in his role also yeah he was another person whose comedy was right on time um so they get to the jabari tribe and they offer him the herb he's like nah i got t'challa they bring t'challa back 
and uh, they're having the heartwarming fuzzy moment. And he's just, well, even before that, he yeah. meets Agent Ross. Agent Ross is talking. He's like, "Hey, hey, you don't you don't get to talk here." And then <laughs> they go, they go and have the warm fuzzy moment afterwards. And he's like, "Are you done? Like, are are you done? Can we can we move on from this?" And T'Challa's like, "Oh, can I?" You know, I'm gonna need an army if I'm gonna challenge again. He's like, I bet you will, but no, not for me. <laughs> so yeah, his comedy was right on time, especially during that time. Yeah, I'm gonna feed you to my kids. Just kidding, we're very vegetarians. Like it was hilarious. Yeah, that's true. I thought, uh, <laughs> I thought he was a, a, and and his comedy came at a pretty pretty good good part as far as like there was a lot of, um. I guess dark things that happened, like you said, like T'Challa just got just found out his dad abandoned the kid. T'Challa just got his ass whooped and almost killed. So it was a nice little uh, uh, breakup in the uh, with the the comedy by the the guy that played Mbaku to 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 insert there to kind of lighten the mood a little bit because it was getting pretty heavy there. Yeah, he was. Um... Like you said, it was it was it was time for a little laugh. Yeah, but we'll 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 see if we can try to speed this up. If you're still listening to this, like good lord, because we've been we've been at this we've been at this for over two hours. So you know, yeah. if if at any point you gotta you gotta step out, then that that's cool because we've been we've been talking for a while. But um, what you call it? So after that, let's see, they give uh. T'Challa the herb, and he goes back to the ancestral plane and, and speaks to his dad and pretty much says, like, hey, the way y'all have been doing things was wrong, and that's not the way things are going to be done from now on. And that's the point where he becomes his own man and decides to be the king that he wants to be and not the king that he thinks he needs to be. And I thought that was a pretty... Uh, important turning point in that character's development because like we've been saying he he worshipped his dad as the king and he saw his, his dad as a godlike figure and thought everything he did was correct and I think it was just part of that traditional coming of age story every every young man or every young person in the movie has that point where they they have to grow up, and that was his. That was his coming of age. Even though it's full, it's assumed that T'Challa is a full-grown man. He, at this point, had never had this type of responsibility. So this was definitely his his coming of age point in the movie. Definitely. So he he essentially has to get his wits about him to go back and and challenge Killmonger for his his throne because. The only way to claim the throne of uh, Black Panther is by yield or by death. And, you know, T'Challa never yielded and he was still alive. Now, there are some people who who say that uh, T'Challa had to cheat to become the Black Panther because um, he when he re-challenged Killmonger, he was able to use his his suit. Now, granted, Killmonger was able to use his suit also. Yeah, I was going to say that. They both had suits. That's not really how the challenge works. Like, And, you know, you're not supposed to have the power of the Black Panther, but they they both had the power. But, you know, it, it could go either way as far as, like, 
if if T'Challa is actually the the rightful you know king, like the argument could be made that Killmonger is still the king, even though he might be dead. Like he might still be the rightful king. Now the uh, the this is pretty much the the final fight scene between uh, him and uh, Killmonger, and this is where um, what's that dude's name? Wakabi. I keep I keep forgetting that guy's name. Yeah, Wakabi. Yeah, he's pretty much like uh, I'm. I'm on. I'm on Killmonger's side because Killmonger's essentially saying like, hey. We're gonna take all these weapons and ship them off to America, or ship them off to our spies, so they can disperse the weapons to, you know, marginalized people, so they can rise up against their oppressors. And he's essentially like, "Hey, I'm I'm down for that. Let's make that happen." And when T'Challa is standing in the way, Wakabi's like, "Hey, take him. Let's let's take him down. We're gonna take Black Panther down. We're we're Team Killmonger over here." So. Um, at some point, um, the door Malaje decide like, Hey, like the way you're running things here, we, we, we can't have you running Wakanda like that. Cause they are loyal to the King, but they're more loyal to the country Wakanda. And they can see that he is not leading Wakanda in the right way. So they essentially turn on him also. And they show their skill and and proficiency and in, in weaponry. Um, let's see. There's not there's not really much to to add to the fights. I thought the choreography was really good. I thought the uh, the fighting was really good, and they kept you in it. It wasn't it wasn't really that whole like you know superhero let me shoot my lasers type thing, but it was more a little bit more down to earth with the with the fighting. Um, the, let's see, Agent Ross had his little moment to shine with the, uh, the flying of the plane to, to get rid of the, to shoot down the, the weapons that were headed towards the spies, um, T'Challa and Killmonger have a pretty intense battle, uh, down below on the, uh, the railroad tracks and, with the uh, I guess the 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 beams above the track, with the how they were vibrating, they were able to to weaken the vibranium because that's the only way it could travel safely through Wakanda. So T'Challa's like, hey, turn that on, so when the trains come by, he won't be able to be protected by a suit. Now, granted, I won't be protected, but at least it's a somewhat level playing field. And this is the part where T'Challa basically says, like, hey, you know, Killmonger's not out here trying to help the people. He's trying to replace um, the spot of the oppressor. He's trying to become the oppressor now. He's trying to rule with an iron fist, essentially. That's kind of how I felt, too. I felt like... um in the end, he was just trying to replace the oppressor. It was actually a really smart move of him to get that uh, low track on that train going in order for that suit to become weak because I kind of felt like if he didn't do that, it was going to be nothing they could have done to stop Killmonger. Like Killmonger 
was not going to be defeated this time. He was really on point. And, and his a, suit was badass. Yeah, his bad. His, his suit had a lot more swag to it than uh, T'Challa's. Yeah, it did. <laughs> had a lot more swag. But like we've been saying, Killmonger is more motivated than T'Challa. I think like he he's he he feels like he's fighting for history for his for black people across the world, and T'Challa feels like he's only fighting for Wakanda and. Granted, that is a lot to fight for. It's a lot to fight for your country. But when you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, that's a lot to that's a lot to carry. And you're, you know, fighting for the legacy of your murdered father. So there's also that element. But they have, you know, their their fight scene. And at the end, T'Challa is able to take down Killmonger. And Killmonger kind of while he's pretty much dying talks about how his dad said that you know Wakanda had you know the best sunsets anywhere so T'Challa is able to get him to at least see a sunset and you know it's almost like Killmonger's having like a moment of truth and he's starting to see like hey not not maybe I could change but he's just showing some sort of of a human side and T'Challa is essentially like hey you know maybe we can try to save you maybe we can try to heal you and Killmonger hits him with I think the best the best line in the movie where he said you know bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from ships because they knew death was better than bondage now, I don't know who's responsible for that line or who created that line or who who wrote that, but that's one of the most powerful things I've I've heard in the movie in a good long time. Yeah, it was insanely profound, like super profound, especially coming from Killmonger. Yeah, as soon as soon as he finished saying that, like I was just sitting in the theater like, wow. Like I there's so many levels to what he was saying there. Like, I get where he's coming from. Like, he, like, why, why spend the life, why spend your life in a cage when you can just not know? Like, I don't want to do, I, no, nobody wants to live their life like that. That's not, being in a cage is not living. And being dead is better, is a better, is a better option. Now, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of strength to, to just kill yourself as opposed to being alive and being in bondage. But I don't know. I, I feel like if 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 slaves might have known that that is what was waiting for them, then maybe more of them would have jumped. Maybe more of them would have just been like, you know what? I'm not I'm not doing that. Like, I'll just jump overboard and risk it there because it was man. That was a lot. Like I, I might my eye, my eyes got a little teary eyed when I when I when he said that part because it was. That's when it was just like, how is this in a Disney movie? Like this, you couldn't have put that. You couldn't have put that in any other superhero movie whatsoever. This is the only movie where it fit, and that's exactly. why. Yeah. Go ahead. Exactly, you couldn't have put it in any other movie, and I just really 
for the first time in quite some time, that line actually made me think a little bit. And it really took me from being kind of on the fence with things to really saying, wow, you know what? I really understand Eric Stevens. I really understand Killmonger Mm -hmm. from that perspective. Like, hey, you're not going to sit here and save me so I can sit and rot in a jail cell forever. Just go ahead and let me be free. Bury me in the ocean with my ancestors. You know, that, that'll be my ancestral plane. And I think that he was really trying to drive that home and that with everything else propelled T'Challa to kind of go forward with evolving as a king. Because, I mean, he didn't really show any sympathy for, um, for Eric Stevens' death. I mean, he kind of looked like, wow, really? Like you'd rather die than live? And I think it really started to kind of tie in things together. Like, hey, you know what? We do need to do better for our people or for the people around. And like I said, it was just so many different Easter eggs within the movie that kind of made me think like, wow, man, this is this was a really good, well put together movie with a great villain who in a sense... Like when I look at it in the way that we look at certain people in the world nowadays, you would think of a guy as a killmonger as some thug. He had the 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 shave sides with the dreads to the top. He had the gold glasses, the gold teeth. He had all the 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 war scars of all the deaths that he's caused. But it's like really deep down inside, he was really fighting for what us as African-Americans would fight for anyway. So it it really made me change my perspective for the movie. And that's why I have to rank this movie, the number one movie of its type or even movie period that I've ever seen. I mean, Killmonger had a lot of scars. Like I didn't, I I don't think I caught it the first time, but he said like, Hey, all these scars are from people that I've killed. And when he took his shirt off, I was like, God damn, like you, <laughs> you, you like you you were not playing around, were you? You really was out here getting after it. Like mm-hmm. you're the goddamn Michael Jordan of killer motherfuckers out here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's I mean it I feel like uh the character of Killmonger definitely helped prepare or propel T'Challa into being more open to the idea of opening up Wakanda and coming out of the shadows and trying to help. And I think, I think in the end, I think it'll help in the long term, but I do think that them exposing themselves to the world is going to cause some issues. I don't think there'll be long-term issues that they're probably going to be short-term things because when you when when people find that there's that type of uh, technology and vibranium and the, all the things you can do with it, at the end of the day, people are selfish and they're greedy and they're gonna try to take what you have. And that's why uh, Wakobi was like, "Hey, this is why we don't take in refugees because if you take in refugees, you take in their problems." So now that's the kind of stuff that's gonna be coming in. To, uh, to Wakanda. I mean, that's something that they're, they're going to have to, to worry about as far as like an Infinity Wars and in, in, uh, 
you know, the sequel to, to Black Panther. But I mean, that's I, I feel like we covered everything. I'm sure there's some things that we missed. Well, one more small piece. Why yeah. the hell did Killmonger like he was really harsh on the women? Yeah. Like he cursed at the one woman, choke slammed her. Like I was like, what the hell's going on with this guy? Killmonger needed a hug. I think, <laughs> and, and they were. It's a growing community on Twitter. It was like he's misogynistic too. No, I, I saw that too. I don't think, and I, of course, my opinion isn't the opinion of all women. Um, but. From my perspective, I think that Killmonger was just nuts. Like, he was just crazy. <laughs> and it didn't yeah. matter who you were, man, woman, child. If you were in his way, he was going to get rid of you. And it just happened to be a lot of women within that culture because women are so revered. It just happened to be a lot of women around. And so he ended yeah. up, a lot of his targets were women. But I don't know if he was misogynistic. I just think he was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think that I agree with that because a lot of, I mean, T'Challa's bodyguards were all women. So, that's who he had to go through. Like he, he slit one of their throats and he was going after Nakia and sure stuff like that. Like that happens. Cause that's who was around him essentially. And he's somewhat crazy, but um, I don't know if you, if you, if you guys are still listening, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, if we miss something or you want to, you know, continue the conversation, feel free to hit any of any of us up about it. Um, like I said before, I think this is the best Marvel movie that's ever been made because it hits on levels that other movies can't. Like they they go places that other Marvel movies can't go. I think the impact and the importance of this movie is going to last a long time. I would not be surprised if you start like you know two years, two three years from now, you know babies are are going to be born with the name of like Shuri and Nakia and Melaje. Yes. Like I could see that happening because those are Nakia. Uh, I, thought of, I thought the name of my son. My million, middle name. Yeah. My middle name is already Nakia. It's N-E yeah. instead of N-A, but they're pronounced the exact same way, which yes. I always thought it was something my parents made up, but now I feel a little bit cooler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I think this movie's going to have a, a, a long lasting impact and I don't I don't know what they can do as far as sequels just because Killmonger is dead. Um I don't I, I'm not exactly and the sure where they can go. It's reincarnated a, a few times though, so we're holding yeah. out hope. I mean they that I know that stuff happens in comic books, but they don't really do that in movies where they just keep bringing back a villain. Like not in successful movies, I don't think. Like they don't kill a villain and just bring him back all the time. Now and this is far-fetched, and this is... I don't know if this will happen, but I do know in the comics that Black Panther is married to Storm. So if they can make something like that happen, some kind of Black Panther, X-Men crossover where that is a possibility, I'm all for that. So, um, like I said, this is the best Marvel movie I've ever seen. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. If you're at this point, then you are... Uh, true fan of this podcast, and we true we truly fan, appreciate true it. Yeah, because this is, is we've been out here o- over two hours. So, uh, Kiana, if you want to give people your Twitter information and uh, uh, give them like, how can we find your podcast and what it's about? Right. Okay. So, my podcast Twitter is btwn the lines pod. You can go and follow me over there. There should be a new episode out tomorrow afternoonish. 
Um, I just recorded. It's about the NCAA scandal and talk about a little bit, talk a little about uh, Mark Cuban and Dallas Mavericks. So look out for that. If you want to follow my personal Twitter account, it's uh, at underscore Rev Run. You'll know you're in the right place because my screen name is Silk Tachaka. So <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's how you know you're in the right place. Um, you're you're probably going to get some more Black Panther tweets for at least the next two weeks, and then once the DVD comes out, I'm going all in. And yeah, come come through, follow me. I'm interactive, and uh, also shout out to the 2K Underground podcast, um, 2K underscore Underground. If you want to find them on Twitter, and I told uh, Okoye Sugar Baby, I'd shout him out as well. So shout out to him. Nice. Uh, Adolphus, what are you going by on Twitter these days? Uh, I am Love Killer Trey. Uh, my next name is going to be my shirt off. My shirt off. Whew, whew. But um, anyway, I thank y'all for definitely tuning in. Uh, Kiana, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You're such a, a well-spoken person. So thanks, thanks. thanks. Having on. Y'all can always check us at Committee Pod or committee underscore podcasts on IG. We're all over the place. Thank y'all for allowing me to be on this episode. I really appreciate you guys. All right. I'm uh, Marcus Sniffles on Twitter. Also a member of the committee podcast every Monday, every Monday, there's a new episode out. So be sure to check us out. Be sure to check out Kiana's podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen Black Panther yet, why are you still listening to this podcast? Go watch Black Panther right now. 904. Yeah, go see Black Panther. If you've seen it once, go see it again. Uh, if you it, if you just keep keep seeing the movie, let's let's make this movie break some records. So, you know, if you've seen it, if you've already seen it twice, take some kids to go see it. Take your friends to go see it. Buy some tickets for someone else to go see the movie that hasn't gone to see it. So, uh, definitely support the movie. Uh, check us out on Mondays. This is the committee podcast. We're out. Peace. <laughs>